This is a Props.com production. The Bostonian is Matt Perrault. This is our f- city. The book is Dave Sherapan. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Together, they are the Bostonian versus the book. You covered! You covered 12! I covered! Follow the show on Twitter at Boston versus the book. How do you like them, Matt? Bringing you the best insight on sports betting news, Matt and Dave's daily picks, and an entertaining and unfiltered dive into the sports betting industry. Here's Dave Sherapan and Matt Peralt. And here we go. Welcome in to a very unique and special edition of the Bostonian versus the book. Clearly, that's not Dave Sherapin on your screen. Dave is in Pittsburgh. More on that here in just one second. That is Julian Edlow from DraftKings, the DraftKings Sportsbook, filling in for Dave. What is up, my friend? How are you? Happy fourth belated. I'm good. I'm good. Happy fourth. I uh, hope you and uh, all the listeners, viewers had a had a good long weekend. Um, I was going to ask you, like, what are we calling today? Is it just Boston versus Boston? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's a whole lot of Boston. <laughs> the audience is going to really have a good time with this today. They're going to be like, holy crap, how much Boston shit are you two going to talk? So, yeah, we will uh, get into a lot of things with that. Dave is actually doing a Pittsburgh Pirates pilot today. They're doing a test run today and maybe an actual run tomorrow for the Yankees and the Pirates game. So that's why Dave's not here. He won't be here today, tomorrow or Thursday. So Julian in today, in today we'll talk to Doug Franz of Props Arizona tomorrow. And then Sean Lockhart, also of Props Arizona, the two co-hosts will be on Thursday. So Julian's been kind enough to give us some time. we got a lot to get into. But before we get to that, a big thank you from me from all you guys in the brigade who went in and helped spread the word for just the picks, the brand new podcast that launched on Friday. We are already here. It's Tuesday. We're into day five and we've already been the top 30 for Apple podcasts out of the gate. So I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know how we're going to be able to, to transition over from the old podcast to the new podcast, but it's been relatively seamless. You guys have been watching on YouTube. Our subscribers are through the roof on YouTube subscribers. So really appreciate that. And the Discord channel has been really, really popping over the long weekend. If you aren't in there, you should be in there. Betprep.com slash chat to join us. Betprep.com slash chat. For the Brigaders, I've got to do the chat today, guys. So I will try to do my best to get into it. They already want to know if you're in the live chat, Julian. I'm guessing he's not going to be in the live chat today. I didn't show him where it is. But... If yeah, we have I, any questions, I see something on the side, I was going to say, is that the chat? Nope. No, sure that, it is. So that, that, that's there. our private me and you to Matt Farah chat. If yeah. you want to talk to Matt, the producer, that's how you talk to Matt, but the audience is on YouTube and they're already going through. They're going to come up with a nickname for you. This is what the chat does. They nickname everybody. So they're already in love with the backwards hat. So they've already like, you're the first, I think you're the first person in the seven months of being on BVB to do the backwards hat. So already, I know it's a big hat show. It's a big hat show. Band, so I like I knew I could wear a hat. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and I just swung it. I swung it backwards. I was going to grab a DraftKings hat and be on brand, but I had the shirt on. I there was you like, go. Do so much so. <laughs> to be a company guy. So much. Well, tell everyone who they might be new to you, your background, your history, and what you do for the DK Sportsbook. Yeah, so I've been with uh, DraftKings at least in a freelancer role since 2015 uh, before coming on free t- uh, full-time kind of recently. 
<clears throat> just started as more of a fantasy uh, background stuff um, and in the early DFS days. And, um, you know, throughout that time, obviously, New Jersey launched in 17, 18, right in that range. Well, um, yeah, May of 18 was Patsba, so yeah. somewhere in the so, 18 range. So sports betting, when it eventually had a home outside of, of Vegas, um we just kind of started creating that content and uh, maybe weren't all the way. Re- like there wasn't a plan to like, Oh, we got to bring in these sports book people. It was just kind of a raise your hand. Like, you know, I'm, I'm into sports betting. I'm a casual sports better and, and go from there. And, you know, it's been four years of, of growth now and it's, it's been, uh, it's been pretty, pretty great, pretty fun to watch. Um, so yeah, that's a quick, quick history at, at, at DraftKings. But yeah, I'm, I'm based out of Boston as, as you know, mm. Um, some history covering the Celtics prior to coming on with DraftKings. Um, so a big NBA background and then, uh, you know, dabbling in football too. Baseball is not my friend right now, but I know we're going to talk some baseball <laughs> on the show. Tell me a bit about like, what's the family reaction when, you know, maybe a college buddy or maybe somebody you haven't talked to in a while is watching a major sporting event and your mug pops up on a DK commercial that's going nationwide. Yeah, get a lot of random texts or like Facebook messages from people that you haven't talked to in five, ten years. Like, hey man, I think I just saw you on on TV, uh, and I was like, eh, yeah. Um, I like messing with people too. Like, you know, I have a neighbor like a few houses down. I was walking down the street with my son, like playing with trucks, and he's like, hey man, I th- I think I saw you on TV before the Celtics game. I was like. No, it must have been somebody else. <laughs> I, I would have known if I was on TV and just messing around with people. But yeah, it's fun. You get you get all types of weird reactions. There's always before a Monday night football game or a big Celtics playoff game on this recent run. There's always some random somebody that you haven't heard from in a long time that you hear from. And I guess that's nice. Catch up with old friends. <laughs> was that part of like when you came on board was the idea that they were going to make you? I know content was always going to be the the point, but were you thinking, yeah, I'm going to be on a national TV ad before game five of the NBA finals? Oh, absolutely not. Um, that was nowhere. <laughs> that was nowhere in the plan. Um, I didn't even really like, not like, I didn't even really plan on doing like on camera stuff. Um, you know, I have a, I have a writing background um, just in terms of covering, you know, covering teams and stuff like that, kind of being on the beat and being a writer. Um, and that comes with a little on camera, which is fine. Um, but it was, you know, when I started at DraftKings, I was writing, you know, 20 articles a week at first. And now it's, yeah, now it's, you know, five to 10, or if we're at a point now where there's no basketball going on less, um, because there's all this on air, whether it be podcasts, radio, um, TV streams, whatever, um, that that's come about and, and, you know, going this route now. So yeah, uh, maybe we just uh you know we have these little commercial spots we got nobody better for the job um, <laughs> other, than our current, other than our current analysts who are very talented i will say um myself among them um so you know we might as well we might as well use them and uh let let those 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 writers personalities whatever we are um kind of get their shine and here we are what's the feel on the ground in massachusetts for legalization you guys obviously are i think DraftKings is the third biggest employer in the city of boston you have a monster company and yet in the very state the company operates legalization has not happened yet 
Is July the month? Are we going to see it? Are we going to watch this go down and happen? I know it's not going to happen for football this year, probably football next year if they pass a bill in July. But what's your read on mass legalization? I have no clue. And I'm kind of done (laughs) speculating um, partially because it's just getting to the point where it's like, you know, it'll happen when it happens and we'll see the restrictions and regulations and taxes are on it the way things are trending in massachusetts you know none of them look super promising and that's just the way that it is but you know i don't really get into it beyond that uh, partially because i don't i don't need to get myself into i don't want to say any trouble but i don't right. need to like i don't need to say anything on behalf of DraftKings about us becoming legal in massachusetts that's not my job right what i can say is that personally i would love to see that happen i have high hopes for that to happen all my friends have high hopes for that to happen. And if you are from this area or you know this area, like obviously you do, um, it's it's sports crazed. Like people want to bet on sports and all of the neighboring states are now there essentially. Um, so it would be a great market. You know, I see things like the beautiful DraftKings sports book that we are going to be opening in Wrigley Field in 2023. That looks fantastic. And I just think how cool that would be at Fenway Park oh. and to have a DraftKings sportsbook bar outside of TD Garden. Um, like those things would be huge. So when it happens, it, it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to, you know, bring a lot of really cool things to this area that people are going to love. But I'm done trying to say like, right. You know, hey, this is my guess at a date when we'll have legalized sports betting in Massachusetts. It's going to go the way it goes. But when it does happen, there's there's some massive potential here. It, for those of you guys that don't understand the the geog- geography of Mass of New England, Massachusetts now is circled. It's much like Ohio was for a while, where Ohio had all these states all around it, all the bordering states having legalization. You have New Hampshire, where DraftKings is the book of record. You've got New York, which is operating multiple books to the west. You have Connecticut, which just went legal, and Rhode Island has been legal for a while. So, yep. like essentially, no matter what part of the state of mass you live in you guys are surrounded except for massachusetts yeah uh you, you <laughs> nailed it the, the the dk sports book at um at foxwoods is beautiful we went there for for the opening we did some stuff for my podcast unreasonable odds with uh with kendrick perkins former boston celtic um and the, and it's great like I, I would highly recommend going and we have some books in New Hampshire as well. So like people from the Boston area, there's stuff that you can do if you want to make a little trip of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's not going it, to, it's not going to be the same as when that DK sports book is there at a Fenway park at a TD garden. Like that's going to, that's going to hit a little different for Boston. Sports <laughs> They're calling you not Edelman. <laughs> that's going to be your nickname. <laughs> I've gotten some. Yeah. And thank you for clarifying that because some people think I am Julian Edelman. As ridiculous as that sounds. Um, oh, it's great. I get, I get tweet like random tweets. I know there was a tweet. Somebody tweeted out a few weeks ago, like, if you could get a follow back from one NFL player, who would it be? And somebody responded, like, it would be great if at Julian Edlow followed me. And I responded, like, I think you got the wrong guy, but I appreciate it, <laughs> um, which, they, which they did. So, like, that comes up from time to time. The spelling oh. all, is all the way there. What is it? First eight? First eight letters of our of our. It's close, names. yeah. If, if you're not I paying would, close attention, you're kind of like banging into your keyboard, and, and the automatic you know population pops up. The the, the name pops, population pops up. You hit return, might get yeah, you. Not not quite the same uh, physical specimens, but um, letters of the name wise, yeah. Not Edelman, <laughs> but we get confused. I was doing a 
prior to DraftKings, I would cover, I covered the Celtics at WEI.com here in Boston. Um, and I covered an NBA draft for the Celtics. So I was Bradford your boss. Bradford was my boss. Wow. I'm sorry. Bradford (laughs) Um, was your boss. That's awesome. Great guy. Wouldn't I love Rod? You know, I worked with Bradford, right? I didn't know that. Me, Rod Bradford, and the, the what what actually brought Kirk Minahan to the Boston market, brought it back, was me, Rod Bradford, and Kirk Minahan doing a Saturday morning, four-hour Saturday morning shift on EEI. Interesting. We got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we got in anyway, a lot of trouble. <laughs> I was covering an NBA draft yeah. and had my press press pass on that said Julian Edlow and somebody kept like looking at me and they were like, I was trying to figure out if you were Julian Edelman or not. Like, That's all right. <laughs> by the nickname. Yeah. So you, you actually could have posed for like fake clay Thompson before fake clay Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty similar thing. Although I, the fake clay Thompson one is even more ridiculous. So we don't want to go down that road, but oh, we did. We, we spent 20 minutes on it. We loved it. How it tall like, do you know how tall the guy actually is? Six, five. He's, he's like, he's big. The the fake Clay Thompson fake, is that fake tall? Clay Thompson is is a big dude. He's oh. he looks the part. I mean, he's not like a small guy. Never mind. That takes away from my take. I thought from the I thought he looked much smaller in the pictures. I thought no. I mean, he was still a, he was a big dude. It's just the fact that he walked in and he passed five layers of security, got on the court, was shooting threes before somebody went like, you know, I don't think that's Clay Thompson, <laughs> and then they banned him for life, which is really funny because. It's like, okay, so you guys screwed up. So that guy gets banned for life, but you know, good job for that. All right. So yesterday we saw Joey Chestnut have to arm wrestle slash choke out a protester in the middle of the hot dog eating contest. It goes way under bad beat. If you bet the under or just kind of how the handicapping went, because I saw most people say, oh, you got to go the under on 74 and a half dogs for Chestnut. Bad beat on the over, you're saying, right? Yes, bad beat on the over. Bad beat if you bet the over. Yeah, no, it's not a bad beat if you bet the over because it wasn't going. You need, what, 13 more? Yeah. Now, you can make the argument that not only did he take the quick time away, but he, the protester takes some energy away and then throws you off the rest of the way. So, like, you Everything. Kind of, I mean, some dude runs up on you. You're trying to not gag on swallowing this, you know, processed meat. Some dude's in front of you. You have to stop put your arm around the guy's neck, throw him to the ground, and then go back and act like nothing happened? It was My an impressive goodness. maneuver by Chestnut, 100%. <laughs> um, but it, So I'm going to say it wasn't a bad beat if you if you had the over. I, I think it's too much of a difference, especially when you see the whole field went under. Right. Like everybody for the day went under, so it just seems like it was an under day. I don't know what that means for hot dog eating. Heat, uh, texture, I don't know. But everybody <laughs> went under, so it was an under. Um, we did at DK Sportsbook refund all overs. You did. Um, we did. DraftKings Sportsbook refunded all overs uh, due to the protester. So you either, that? if you bet Chestnut, you either got your money back or, or you, you cashed the under. Um, I like it. There are good people out here in this world um, <laughs> operating at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you, you were covered if you bet it at DraftKings. Keep that in mind next year when you're betting hot dogs. Oh. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, did you bet I it? Have, What's up? Did you bet it? I didn't bet it. Um, I can't bet this stuff. I just, some of these things I can't bet. Each year I, each year I did. Well, I'll put it this way. I found a little way to open a, uh, to open a middle Oh. and I okay. did and I didn't get it. So I, I got a, I got a free roll on a middle that didn't hit. 
Okay. Um, but I didn't, I didn't consider myself risking anything. Put it that okay. way. Okay. Yeah. Although I can't. There will be some. There will be some years that I will, I will bet on it. Um, my <laughs> annual hot dog play, which generally is a loser. Um, <laughs> my annual hot dog bet. bet. Yeah, I, I find the event to be. Um, I don't know. You just watch it every year. You got to watch it every year, right? What else is going on? I was watching it. I was making fun of it, but I was watching it. I mean, it's it's yeah. like I showed my my eight year old. I was like, "Come here." I was like, I want to show you the most disgusting thing you're going to see all day. And she was like, what are you going to show me? And then I showed her that and she was like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. I'm like they're eating as fast as they can. And she's like, why? <laughs> like, it's a great question. We don't really know why. It's just one of those things of like, I wonder if I could do this fast. And so we make America. a whole spectacle out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing just- more American than <laughs> pounding down 75 dogs. Oh my um, God. I, I will say, like, if they put more of this on, I feel like it would get watched. Like, oh. I was, I saw yesterday, like, Joey Chestnut ate 30 pounds of fish tacos. Yeah, Todd Furman said, if you go down the rabbit hole, you will spend hours imagining, like, I guess the fastest, somebody ate 14 pounds of lobster, I think, in, like. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> in, like, 10 minutes or something really psychotic. Like just like obscene, obscene. I mean, cause think about it. Like a lobster is weighed with its shell on. So you never get the full, like you really, if you're a two pound lobster, you're getting probably like, you know, 70, you know, 0.75 pounds of of, of actual meat out of the thing. So like 14 pounds, 15 pounds of meat is a lot of lobster meat. That's, (laughs) that's a lot. That's probably like 40 lobsters that you've been able able to put down. Would that be your competitive eating? If you had to pick one food that would be your competitive eating food? Um, I feel like well, it's hard to pick. Everybody thinks they can like eat more than they actually can when you're yeah. discussing these things. Um, and so it's always interesting to see like realistically what you can what you can actually do. I feel like I could eat like we're talking lobsters, like you said, you crack like you have this big shell in front of you and it looks like so much, but when you actually crack open a lobster, dip it in some no. butter and eat it you're always like, Oh, I could go for another one. Like that's Sure. It's that's un- that and sushi lobsters and sushi are like the, the foods that you're paying the most money for. And yeah. you leave the most unsatisfied. You're always hungry afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so sushi, uh, I'm a big sushi guy. Like, you know, but are you going to competitively eat sushi? No, <sighs> I love it. I enjoy it, but I'm not going to just mow it down. Like they're mowing down hot dogs. So Man, it's a it's a tough question. It's got to be something you can take for a while. So like I, I think I we, for me it'd be wings. If if I was going to eat competitively, I would eat, I'd eat wings. The problem would be the bones and not mm-hmm. choking on the choking on the bones. But if I could just do drumsticks and just rip through drumsticks, that would be that would be my my competitive eating food. Yeah, and I think that's probably a popular answer. And but yeah. I was gonna, what I was going to say, I know you're a smoker guy. You like yeah. to smoke things. I, I took out the smoker yesterday for nice. the with festivities. We did um, wings and ribs. So I was going to say like, so okay, what do we stop? So I, I I have to ask you. This is because this is a huge question that I've got. When you did when you did your wings, mm-hmm. did you smoke them first, fry them second, or just smoke them? Just smoke. How did it come out? I, I love them now. How how was the skin? Did did you have to crisp this the skin up in any way or did it come out crispy? It came out pretty crispy. You just kind of turn it up the last like half hour, 45 okay. minutes to kind of get that one last. So what zap. 275 for like an hour and a half, and then you jack jack it to like the 350? What'd you do? I, I did I was doing like 225 for okay. like two and a half hours. Woo. And then up to like 325 for the last okay. yeah. 
30, 45 minutes. I'll have to try that because I'm going to smoke. I, I have not smoked wings yet. I'm still trying to figure sure. out the actual method that I'm going to do it, but I've Very heard. Easy. Yeah. I've heard it's really good to do. Yeah. So I like, I, I've been told, you know, try smoking them and then fry them and I'm sure yes. it's great, but like the just smoked. So that's what I was saying. If it's competitive eating, you got to be able to eat a lot of it. If you fry it after now we're getting heavier here. So like True. the smoked wings, you know, they, they become much smaller in the smoker. Oh. And then you just kind of suck them right off the bone. So like, I feel like I could eat a lot of, it would not be an impressive showing. No, right? it's competitive like eating. Eat people eat mayonnaise. I mean, people eating like 30 pounds oh. of mayo, which is like oh. the most disgusting <laughs> thing. Ever. That's really, really raunchy. I mean, the guys who ate the guys who competitively eat raw eggs. Like there are some things that are really disgusting that people put down in mass that just is like, what are you doing? Like really butter. I, People eat butter, sticks of I butter. My maximum, my max on mayo is like a spoon. It may be. Yeah, I like, may- I like mayonnaise, but it's a condiment. It's a lightly, it's like my ketchup intake. Like it's a lightly. Look, wait, wait. DK? I mean, Duncan? Yes? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Free sponsor, free ad. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. But, but it's, it's because Dave and I had this conversation. Dave had not had a Duncan iced coffee. And so Crazy. I said to him, dude, you got to go have a Dunkin' iced coffee. And he was like, well, it's just iced coffee. I was like, yeah, but it really is not just an iced coffee. Like you got to try it in the summertime. And he went and had one last week and he, he came on the show and he was like, I don't know what I was doing. Like, what was I, what was I missing? Why didn't I do this longer? Or just regular ice? I think he just had a regular iced coffee. Okay. Just a straight regular. Cold brew now. You're cold brew. Yeah. Can I say it, it is darker now. I saw that was a little bit of a darker tinge to it. Well, so, I go, so oh, man, now we're going down a whole Dunkin' rabbit hole here, but like, yeah. They can't figure out how much cream to put in your coffee. Well, because if you're a cold brew person, they don't want to over cream it because then you're mad because well, then, no, then they, it tastes funky. Like sometimes I think I don't even like one full creamer. Oh, large coffee there. I go okay. like half of a creamer, tiny splash, like you can start. Okay. So like if I say with cream, they'll put a whole one in and I think that's too much. So sometimes I, I asked for half a cream and they did half cream and half coffee. Oh, so now, now I just get it black every time and say, give me a creamer on the side. And I uh, do it. You do it yourself. Yeah. It's not, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, Cause it was funny. Cause the first time I ever walked in to a non new England Dunkin' Donuts, I was flying through O'Hare when I walked in, I was like, Oh, they have a Dunkin' Donuts in Chicago. This is crazy. So I walked up and I was like, can I have a medium hot regular? And they were like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I want a medium hot regular. They're like, what does that mean? I go, you work at Dunkin' Donuts and you don't know what a medium hot regular is? You like blue creams and six sugars? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. It's just, a, it's a coffee frat, frat, basically. It's three sugars and three creams, technically, is what a regular is for Dunkin' Donuts. So like here in, in Vegas, they also have no idea. Like you cannot, you have to specify exactly how many sugars and exactly how many creams you want. There's no such thing as a, as a regular here in, in Vegas. And the Dunkin' literally a mile down the road from my house. So slowly converting the folks over here in Vegas to understand. There you go. Our, yeah. our, I mean, our I love. live in the neck of the woods where there's like a Dunkin' Donuts across the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
monster. That is easily the funniest thing about New England. It also happens on like when roads are very busy. So you have Duncans on either side of the roads because people don't have to turn around. So like I remember people would come in and be like, why is there a Duncan there and a Duncan there? And it's like, because mm-hmm. people don't like turning around. They're just lazy. They just want to yep. go in and go out. And be there was a plaza it. in Rhode Island that had two Dunkin' Donuts, like a shopping plaza. And there was one on one end and one on the other. It's the same place. It just had two Dunkin' Donuts. And they both stay in business. And they yeah, both they crush were, it. They were both killing it. <laughs> <laughs> they made them, I could probably competitively eat donuts or munchkins. I could, tr- I could crush mon- munchkins. Yeah, those... Those 50 spot would be easy. Drop down a 50. It was like, how much time would it take me to knock down a 50 spot of, of, of Munchkins? Yeah. I mean, those are, you can eat more than one at once as well. <laughs> you can jam three or four in your mouth and go in and, and roll with it and make it work. Uh, okay. So I got this from SoCal DJ, who is one of our BVB brigaders. And I, oh, sorry. It was Dean Izzy. Sorry. Different guy. Dean Izzy. Sorry. On the, on the discord channel. He yeah. said, you wound up, up a hundred units in the NBA this past year. Is that true? Yeah, just over it. Um, which just is over great. it. That's insane. So, well, I mean, just cleared it. So like barely there, but yes. Um, personally, I did. Now I wouldn't expect everybody that like follows and tails to be the same. And what I say is like, so props accounted for probably like a quarter of that. And I put out something at the beginning of every NBA season because I make a, I make a good chunk of my change in NBA by just betting props off of injury news. And I understand that there's like a one to three minute window to do that. Right. So like, there's going to be a lot of pushback every year on, you know, uh, whatever, uh, what you want LeBron load management. No, I'm saying like LeBron load management out. Russell Westbrook points, rebounds, assists over. Okay. And that's available for like three minutes. So there's going to be a lot of responses of, oh, this isn't there anymore. This isn't there anymore. So like I do it with that kind of caveat, which is why I break it down by like sides and totals, props, futures. So like if you want to take out props that maybe a lot of the following wasn't able to bet because they saw it five minutes later and it wasn't there, then maybe it's more like 75 units if you take okay. the, the straight up place. <laughs> It was a good NBA season. It's a good saying. year, for dude. For the hundred unit mark, like you know, it comes with a little asterisk that I'll admit that, like you know, some of this is going to be unbettable if you're not if you don't have alerts on or like you're not betting it right away. Um, so you know, I like to start with the negative. That's just the way that I. I sure, but I mean, it, it's still even seventy-five units is a hell of a season, though. That's incredible. Otherwise, the sides and totals. I don't really bet many totals, but the sides, the futures. Um, they, they worked out. There were a lot of good opportunities this year, like the Jokic MVP thing when that straw poll came out and the line just hung there for a long time when it became kind of clear that Jokic was going to be the guy. Um, it was, it was a good NBA season. I think the parody in the NBA, which I'm sure we'll talk about in this show, there's no clear winner. There's just a lot of really good teams, um, creates a lot of opportunity and just the, the load management in the NBA, if you're paying attention to news is, is huge. All right, so DraftKings this morning opens up with the Boston Celtics as the odds-on betting favorite to win the 2023 title. They are 5-1 to one in the wake of the Malcolm Brogdon move, the Dino Gallinari decision. I mean, Boston has upgraded their bench in a big way, yeah. but are you 
subscribing to this. Should Boston be the odds on favorite to win the NBA championship next year? Um, I don't mind it. I, I don't see. Here's the thing. Like it feels a little high on the Celtics, I guess. But also, I don't know what other team you make a clear favorite over them. It just feels like maybe they should be a little closer to, you know, the the Celtics, the Warriors, the Bucks, even the Sixers, uh, maybe even the Heat. Um, although the PJ Tucker going from Miami to Philly swap kind of tough for Miami, but it feels like there's a group of five or six teams that should, can all be co-favorites and they kind of are the difference is only like a plus 500 to a plus 600 or whatever right. but Suns are 600 yeah. clippers 600 warriors 600 bucks right. or 650 yeah so like the celtics deserve to be in that group if you want to say that they're slightly ahead at the plus 500 versus a plus 600 plus 650 that's fine if you told me the you know if you told me that you wanted to make the warriors plus 500 and the celtics plus 600 that i would say fine like it's all in the right right grouping um and I, I still think it's too early to really bet it we'll see how the rest of the summer goes um but they should they're right there they're in that group of teams that can that can clearly win it so you and i both although i had the warriors and the celtics dean Nizzi, who just popped up nice. in the live chat so he said he said nice. you made him a lot of money this year he's appreciative of the money you made him but he, he's a warriors fan and so he wants to know about the war, the Celtics bet on the Warriors. About the, about my bet on the fire. Yeah. I mean, like we, we all saw the same thing. I mean, Boston was, I thought five on five without turnovers, Boston was the better team. They just couldn't yep. stop turning the basketball over and they got tired. Yeah. I, I didn't continue to, to back them for the series as it went on. I did bet them in games four and five, which they lost, could have won both, lost both for the reasons mm -hmm. you said. Um, you know, the, the Celtics starters outscored the Warriors starters with Tatum playing very poorly. The Celtics starting unit was better than the Warriors starting unit with Tatum playing poorly and Curry playing at a ridiculous level a lot of the time. So that shows you how big the bench difference really was in this series. And then when it came down to it, like one of the things I was saying at the series is I like the Celtics, they're the more talented team, you know, in a perfect world where you just play basketball and it's talent the Celtics win, but how much does, if you're handicapping the series, which we all were, how much do you count the experience of golden state? What does that right. count for? Or can Boston get through it? Because they've been to all these Eastern conference finals at a young age. They've had playoff success. They just haven't been in the finals, which the warriors have done plenty of. And it turns out that counted for a lot um, more than I think a lot of people uh, anticipated. Um, except for maybe some of you warriors backers listening. Maybe you put a lot of, a lot of stock, um, you know, on golden state's experience. Let me pause you real quick. We'll, we'll go right. I just got some, some breaking news that I just want to pass along. Uh, CBS sports is reporting. The big 12 is in deep discussions to add six pack 12 schools, Arizona, Arizona state, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. This would kill the pack 12 and the pack 12 would okay. merge with the big 12. That is wow. insane that that might actually happen. And it does begin the super conference conversation. I was tipped off on this over the weekend. Somebody said, be ready for some crazy stories to come out this week. And the discussions are real. And it looks like it may be there. 
And the big question now will be Notre Dame and will they join the Big Ten? And if they join the Big Ten, we'll have three conferences essentially. It's going to be the Big Ten, Big 12, and the SEC. I imagine the ACC will try to do something to keep themselves relevant. But I mean, for football, this is going to be crazy. For basketball, it's going to be even more ridiculous with the Big 12. So sorry to kidding. I just want to put that out there that that is a really big, big story going on yeah. right now uh, with the, the Pac 12 essentially looking like it's going to dissolve uh, and, join the, and join the Big 12, which is kind of a bummer because I hope that I thought the Big 12 would stay, sorry, the Pac 12 would stay and UNLV may have a shot to join that conference. But looks like that conference is going to play for one or two more years and then be, be kaput. But, um, Back to Boston for a second. So Malcolm, the, the, the Malcolm Brogdon conversation, I love the guy. He can't stay healthy, but when healthy, he's tremendous. What does it do to Marcus Smart in your mind? Does he make him a sixth man or is he going to go to the two? What, what does it do? Because he shot way too much in the fourth quarter of the finals in the postseason because the baby Celtics were not, well, let's be honest, they didn't have the big enough balls to take the shots that Marcus Smart was willing to take. Yeah, um, I mean, it, from everything that it sounds like from the Celtics, Marcus Smart's still the starting point guard, which I'm fine with. Um, this was just an addition of, you know, the Celtics bench that they had. Everybody moves down two slots now because Brogdon's the sixth man and Gallinari's the seventh man. And you just got that much deeper. And I think that's exactly what they needed. Two capable bench scorers, two veterans, two guys that are, you know, very professional about what they do, I would say. Um, so that depth in terms of the sixth and seventh guy is huge. And Malcolm Brogdon is probably, if everyone's healthy, their third best player, which is fine. You can, you can bring him off the bench. It sounds like he's bought into that. And with the injuries, sometimes you just have to accept that smaller role. It's going to be a lot of not just sharing minutes with Marcus Smart and seeing his minutes drop down to 27, 28 or whatever. It's also just taking those nights off to prevent the injuries where smart gets his normal run because Brogdon's off. I think we're going to see a ton of alternating nights off between Gallinari and Al Horford because mm. Horford after a reason that Horford was so good this past season is because he sat out the, the last half of the year. OKC just sent him home. Um, now he has his deepest run of his career. He's going to need some rest. Um, and Gallinari is the guy that can step in and, and spot that rest and vice versa. Get Gallo some nights off and play Horford. So like, I think this team you want to talk about load management in the NBA is going to have a lot of on off nights with some of these veterans, some of the older guys, some of the injury history guys. And that's, what's going to get them through the regular season and then have Brogdon Horford, those type of guys fresh for the postseason. hopefully if they don't suffer any major injuries. And that's, what's going to be your, your difference maker in the playoffs, having that depth that they didn't have this time around. Yeah. I'm really going to be curious to see, Gallinari is going to be a fan favorite. I mean, he's just going to be, I mean, he's a big Italian dude. He's going to walk down the North end. Everyone's going to be in love with the guy. So I think he'll fit in really well. Brogdon's going to be interesting to see how him and Marcus smart coexist, because if you're right, he's the third best player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are so going to want to see less offense from Marcus into, smart. Yeah. This is why it's, you know, just a luxury with the Celtics have. And it, the, the closing lineup, I don't think it matters who starts. And I think Brogdon will come off the bench. Um, what will the closing lineup be? And I think that's yeah. going to go game by game. Like Udoka showed the, the willingness to sit Marcus Smart deep into that game one comeback. Um, he doesn't mind going with the hot hand, essentially. So right. like if that means that one of Brogdon and Smart is on and whoever's got it going that night is on to finish the game, it's that. If they're coexisting in the backcourt that night and Horford is sitting, 
and you go, you know, one big with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and both the guards, you do that. Depending on how it's running for those players, depending on what your matchup is that night, figure it out. Um, so I, I think that that's the way it's going to go. And I, I kind of like that because you have options. What did the Kobe or how did the, the Tatum idolization of Kobe, how did that play out in new England? Because he didn't play like Kobe, obviously. And it was his first NBA finals. He's very young, but he had a hundred turnovers in the postseason. I mean, is he going to get criticized? Like we, we know that Boston media loves to do that. If a guy's not, not quote unquote clutched that they'll start to question him, even though his age has to be brought up. I mean, how do you feel? And what was the mood in Boston around the Tatum conversation? I think the mood is really just how you, uh, as an individual want to look at it. A lot of people don't like to put people down and want to play the positives. A lot of people look at the negatives. So it's really just the angle or the lens that you're looking at it through. Like, you know, he had whatever, there's the stat, whatever he averaged 22, seven and seven, I think it was, which was the same as LeBron's first finals. So you retweet that number and it's like, you know, he had the same first finals experience as LeBron, but he clearly didn't, he, he didn't play well. Um, he didn't shoot well. He didn't take shots when he needed to take shots. He didn't look over. He didn't look to take over when he needed to for somebody that, you know, idolizes Kobe. So the Kobe thing I think is weird. Like that's great. Kobe's his favorite player. Kobe's one of my favorite players too. Like if you're, if you're that talented and playing at that level and you want to, you know, channel your inner Kobe, you're probably going to demand the ball, demand the most out of your teammates take tough shots when the offense is stagnant, not let Marcus Smart do it. Um, so there was a lot that he needs to improve on. Obviously, it was a great postseason. Like, he had some moments where he took over. Game six is in Milwaukee, most notably, with the season on the line. He's got it in him. I just don't get why, uh, you know, you're in that situation and you're not at least taking the shots is the problem. Uh, right. That's what he needs to figure out. And that's the thing where I give pushback and say, you know, I'm not going to, if I'm on that stage and I know I have this kind of attention, I'm not wearing Kobe armbands and saying all this Kobe stuff. If I'm not going to, it doesn't even matter that he didn't back it up. It's almost like he didn't try to back it up because like I said, the attempts weren't there. Just the, the fire, the demanding the ball, the trying to score to get to the free throw line. It wasn't there. So I, I feel like that's the the key part. Not that he, yeah, you know, I would went, agree if he went five for 25 in one of those last finals games, then fine. He like, he, he went right. But shoot or shoot. Yes. Yeah. And he didn't whatever. do it. Yeah. He scored two points in the, the second half right. of game six at home in a game that you need to win to get to a game seven in the NBA finals. You, you just gotta go for more than that. My, my problem with what happened there. And I think you're absolutely right is because he had an opportunity to take more shots he deferred and then the warriors figured out that him and Jay's and Jalen Brown have tendencies when they drive to the basket and they didn't change those tendencies. They basically, you know, they made Brown go left. He couldn't go left and they tried and basically they knew what Tatum was going to do. So they basically stacked the defense to stop it. And there was no other plan B. It was either I got a call and the referees bailed me out or I turned the basketball over when I just drove into the lane, crazy one on two and get my shot blocked. And I kept on going like, it, we, I mean, the coaching staff has got to be telling him to stop doing that. And he gets kept on doing it time and time again. And that's where the turnover started to mount because it was like, we know what you're going to do. We're going to stop it. 
if you don't change, you're going to turn the ball over. And he just turned the ball over, over and over again. And that, that's where the Kobe thing got to me. I was like, man, I don't know. I, I would stop this like social media thing, posting you with the same outfit as Kobe or you in the same pose as Kobe. And like, it just, I get the idolization, the, the text message thing, all that stuff. I, I thought it was great. And after, you know, the picture of him after the Eastern conference finals, where he's in his locker and the, MVP trophies at his feet and he's like you know it was his head in his hands was really pointed I was like wow this is a really big moment for this young kid now to make the NBA finals now it comes to the next step though right like now they've got to get back and now they've got to go ahead and they got to win it this time if they don't yep. I'm nervous about the Boston media with knives out for Jason Tatum maybe yeah it, it might get there I mean he needs more I, you need more than one more year I would say because I'm not a big part of the Jason Tatum's only 19 thing now he's okay. only 24 but he like he still will be 25 next year like I, if he wins it'll be younger to, than LeBron LeBron was 26 so I'm not ready to you know I'm I'm not ready to jump off any bridges if by age 25 season Tatum doesn't have a, a title just make another competitive run and improve on your mistakes and it maybe it won't all be there maybe you won't get as fortunate this time in your game sevens against Milwaukee and Miami um in terms of injuries or bounces or whatever um so it just it more depends how it looks like do we see improvement on the things that we need to see improvement upon like <clears throat> passing to Peyton Pritchard for three is is fine when you're making the right plays but when Peyton Pritchard's 0 for 6 like what about spinning away from the double team and shooting from the baseline like Kobe would do um, right there just needs to be more of that bailing your team out when everybody else doesn't have it going all right so the Suns are 6 to 1 mm -hmm. Kevin Durant where is he going and if he goes to the Suns they're they're the odds on favorite to win the whole thing right uh, yeah, most likely, depending on what the trade package look would look like. But we know that they would have the core of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. Um, it would be great to keep Bridges in in the mix. I don't know if that's possible, if you can do it with like an Aiton, Cam Johnson, Picks type of package. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be a heck of a... I think everybody would be waiting for that Western Conference final of Phoenix and Golden State to see how that played out. And the Suns would probably be favored i want to say um but yeah it durant i have no idea where he's gonna go um but it phoenix believes they've got him i mean phoenix is really tomorrow we'll talk about it a lot but it's the, the boys in phoenix believe he's going to the suns that they think that they've got the beat on him he wants to play there he's vocalized wanting to play there and the suns have the have the pieces to go get him i mean i want it typically because i want chris paul to get a ring like if Chris Paul wins a championship, it's the only thing lacking on his resume. It's the only knock on him right now in terms of a career standpoint. He's a Hall of Famer without it. But I would love to see Chris Paul win a championship. And if Kevin Durant's the guy that's got to go there to make it happen, okay. I just, I think it's wild because I always thought that KD went to Brooklyn to go east to go back home. And now he's going back out west <laughs> simply because of Draymond Green's mouth. Is that why he wants to go play with Phoenix? I'll say this. We have we have markets up on DraftKings for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving next team. Okay. Um, the Suns, when this market opened, I believe were plus 165. They went to minus 220 favorites. Um, and it's now minus 110. For okay. So it's come back a little bit after. A lot. Wow. Um, What's so number two? 
Toronto is next in line at plus. Here we go. That Toronto rumor caught, got going all throughout the 4th of July weekend with him going to yep. Toronto. Yep. So Toronto's there at plus 300. Brooklyn is in the market. It includes Brooklyn at plus 400. Um, and then hmm. the next two teams, Miami plus 1400, Golden State plus 1400. I don't think Golden State's happening. Um, so Phoenix, it's basically Phoenix versus the field right now for Durant. And I agree that's the most likely landing spot. It's just, can they agree on it? it? sounds like he wants to go there and Phoenix wants him. So we'll see if they can make it happen. Um, if you're Brooklyn, what do you do with, Ky- what do you do with Kyrie? If you're Brooklyn, you, if you trade KD, what do you do with, what do you do with Kyrie? There's no reason to, to have him then if Durant's <laughs> gone. And it seems like there's no reason to have him even if Durant returns <laughs> because they already burned that bridge. So right. like, here we are again. And that's why Kyrie is minus 350 to the Lakers on DraftKings with the Nets in the field at plus 400. Like, wow. Durant, you know, wants to trade. Kyrie wants to leave Brooklyn, but there's only one suitor. So like, if you're betting him to stay in the same place, I kind of like the Nets at plus 400 for, for Kyrie. All you have to do is just have the Lakers not agree to a trade and right. he's on the Nets. Um, behind that is Dallas plus 1,500, Philly plus 1,500, <sighs> Miami plus 1,500. So it's a who can afford? Bet. I mean, he's got a $37 million contract now. So like you have to figure out the whole, you know, right. what goes back. So like, and it, there's so much salary cap implications to Kyrie being moved. Westbrook's easy because Westbrook's got, he's getting paid more than him. Westbrook's making $47 million. Yeah. Well, I mean, Westbrook's like the only contract in the NBA with a team that would want him that you can find. So like, right. it becomes kind of easy, almost like when you knew that Kemba Walker, Al Horford swap was coming. It's like, okay, we, you know, the Celtics are saying we want to dump Kemba. It's like, there's like one or two guys in the NBA that you can do that for with a team that would, you know, want to buy that player out. So like, you just have to look at the board and where, where is it? Maybe Miami misses out on Durant and Durant moves. And then Miami does do some kind of uh, like hero and picks and Lowry package for Kyrie. Like maybe the Kyrie in Miami with Butler. Oh my. At basketball wise, it's a great fit. Um, Personality wise, it's oil and water, is it not? Yes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you got to take chances. I, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's and it's one year, so like he's in. You know that you can walk away from him the next year if you're if you're Miami and you're okay with that. You can just wipe your hands clean and walk away after a year if you're cool losing. You know, a Tyler Hero to to swing for the fences with Irving, Bam, and and Butler. Could you imagine if OKC got Durant back? If yeah, were, I heard people talking about like, that. Hey. Like, <laughs> but what's the point? OKC is in a completely different direction right now. Yeah, there's no point. I mean, they have the ability to give them what the Nets would want, which is a litany of young, talented players and picks. I mean, you could, Correct. but then you take, you have to build around Kevin Durant for like four years. And at this point in his career, you're not going to do that with Kevin Durant. It doesn't make a lot of sense to try to build long term. He's a short term championship now type of addition yep. for. For anyone like that's why I, I would have traded. I know people, Dave got mad at me when I said this, but I would have taken Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown and traded him for KD. I would have, I would have done that move. 
Yeah, it's it worked out. Point. It worked out money wise. I went and did, did the whole salary calculator. Those two players plus picks for Kevin Durant. I would have done it. And Dave thought I was crazy. Like you're that's not. I just I don't know. Maybe it's the Danny Ainge in me. But I say go. <laughs> like like go try to win now. Like you have a window right now to go go and win. And Kevin Durant could be the answer the answer to to banner eighteen. So. I just want Al Horford to get a ring. Like I want CP three to get a ring first. Al Horford's number two in terms of careers and, and what they've done with the league and just not having that championship uh, ring on their finger. It's just, I want it to happen. I mean, Brad, Steve, I would argue Brad Stevens is more aggressive than Danny Ainge in terms of trying to win now. Ainge loves, and I mean, look, here we are. Danny Ainge in Utah just got, if you want to include uh, Kessler, that's five first round picks back for, for Gobert essentially well, let's go to the well, let, let, let's go to that what, what do you make of that deal that that trade do you like that as much was given up for Rudy Gobert that that's a for a player who is a rebounder and defensive stopper that seemed extremely extremely rich it's a me. nice piece from it's a nice piece for Minnesota but if you're blowing it up in Utah then yeah you have to take that deal so I'm not knocking Ainge for taking it I'm just kind of pointing out because I think it's a a pretty good deal for both sides Minnesota overpaid yes but like I, I am a big believer of like, to what point is it really overpayment in the NBA? If, if Minnesota is actually a playoff team the next five years, then, you know, that's a bunch of, if you just look at the Celtics roster, that's, you know, your Grant Williams, your Peyton Pritchards, it's five of those guys. And maybe a couple are a little better, like a Robert Williams, and maybe a couple right. are complete misses. Um, like many of these picks in the twenties are in the NBA. It's the way it is. So it's like, how much of an overpayment is it really if I redid that package with the names of the players those picks become in five years or whatever? Um, you'd probably say you want Rudy Gobert over the over that group of players unless Utah really hits on something. But it is funny to see Danny Ainge going back to his old ways and taking a pile of first rounders and here we go again. And you know, you can't do better than he did getting the picks and then identifying the talent in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But that's going to be a lot harder to do again, especially with this package of picks. So, like, I, I find it interesting to see uh, Brad Stevens coming in, shipping out four or five first round picks so far to get what he needed. Um, so, if there's a guy that's going to fire on a win now, if, if if Brad Stevens thinks Kevin Durant helps them win next year more than Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart do, I feel like he would do that deal. I just think this team got so close that it's a really tough call. Mm -hmm. to give those two pieces up. I would agree. And, and look, Imo Doka learned a lot. I thought he was really good in the playoffs leading up to, and I thought in the first couple of games against Steve Kerr, I thought he was pretty good. And then I thought Steve Kerr kind of, you know, showed his championship pedigree in the final four games or three games of the series. And the adjustments need to be made, made for Boston. Frankly, it was basically, let's let the bench beat us. And the bench couldn't beat them. <laughs> and so Boston's going to need to, what, what do they do? Like you mentioned, they went out and addressed the bench. I mean, Ainge goes and hires a Boston Celtics assistant coach now to be the head coach of the Utah Jazz. So now we got all, all these picks to go ahead and, and go and play with. But I, I mean, I like the Timberwolves. I like Gobert. It, I mean, how Anthony Towns and Gobert coexist. I'd be very curious to see how that's going to look and what that's going to mm -hmm. look like. But I think it's it's a really, I mean, I, I've been a big fan of Gobert for a while, just how tough he is rim protection wise and rebounding wise. It's just a lot of and I'm okay with it. I mean, I think, you know, where we grew up picks in the NBA don't matter anything. Like we kind of subscribe to the Pat Riley theory that if you build to the draft, you're not going to be a very good team. You have to go and take those assets and get quality proven players to come back. 
It's just that Boston had to wait five years and all of a sudden now they've got proven quality players in Brown and Tatum that they built they, they built through the draft. What do you make of, of Philadelphia and, and, and what the, you made mention of, of the PJ Tucker situation? What would, are you looking at like, who is the number two team or the number three team? It's Celtics bucks. And then who's three Philly, Philly, Miami, I guess at this point, am I missing? Am I forgetting anybody? The East is deep. The East is yeah. good. Uh, I mean, there's some questions. I mean, you could say that Brooklyn would, would be in the conversation. Brooklyn's not in the conversation because okay. Atlanta, they get in trades for potential KD and Kyrie isn't going to be enough to win it for them. And if they bring it back with KD and Kyrie, it's just not going to work. Kyrie won't right. be playing. Durant will get traded by the all-star break. Like it, it, that would be something that would really skew the odds in the East. In my mind, if they do bring both of them back and then people say, Oh, Brooklyn, again, we got to bet Kyrie KD. Cause it's, we know it's not going to work. Um, oh, the Hawks made interesting moves, I guess. Um, and they're not done. It doesn't seem like, so we'll see where the Hawks go. Bulls, Raptors. Yeah. I would, it's, it's the clear top four of Celtics, Miami, Milwaukee, and Philly. Um, Philly feels like they're really going to go for it. Like Embiid's the type of player that can really win you a championship and right. carry you if he's healthy. Like, Felt bad from kind of he gets dinged up again with all these injuries in the playoffs, and he's like right there. Um, Harden's a dog, obviously, but it you know, he's doing the right thing, it seems like this offseason. He opted out, he hasn't re-signed. He's letting the Sixers do things before he he like he's coming back. He said he's coming back. It's just what how the contract's gonna be structured. Right. And him doing something like that allowed them to get his teammate from Houston that he loves and take away from Miami in a PJ Tucker. So like Harden for a guy that, um, you know, Harden for a guy that hasn't won anything and has that reputation of not being a winning player is having kind of a winning off season for Philly just by opening things up for them to get better players and bring in winning players. So you would like to see that rub off on his attitude on the court, which we haven't seen yet, but like, Mm. Philly's there. If they have Embiid and they have Tucker and they have tougher players, like Maxie's a, a tough guard, maybe it eventually rubs off on Harden and they can get what they need to get out of him to, to break through the finals. So I, yeah, I, I, I think they're right. I there. thought that Seth Curry move, including him in the trade package was a mistake. It was a big, that was a big mistake. That was a because they needed that shooter. And then I think as we're having Tucker come in and be a part of that now, I think is, is the, I think the acknowledgement that they needed to make an, make an adjustment. They need that corner three shooter that PJ Tucker is. So the, I, I, I didn't like that Curry addition at, at all. All right, let's talk some baseball here. Uh, the, the Red Sox are 13 games back of the Yankees, 13 games back in second place. But does it matter given the playoff format? Um, no, it doesn't matter because you don't need to win the division and they're not going to win the division, but they should definitely be a playoff team. Um, and that's fine. You just, it's baseball. You just got to get in and play. Um, just like last year, I mean, the Red Sox were dead in the water last year and then they got red hot and they're a couple of pitches away, arguably from, from the world series. Mm -hmm. Uh, so no, doesn't matter at all. Uh, just get in, in baseball and then get hot from there. That that's, 
that's always the easy answer in baseball. I feel like. it is, but it's frustrating. I mean, not that I care that much because I like Boston getting into the. I mean, it's how they won the World Series in 04, and I get all that. You know, win the wild card to get in. It's just the new wild card format with three wild cards. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel like the regular season's been so dim, not not diminished, but it's just not the same. Like the Yankees can go run away and hide, and the Red Sox are like, cool. We'll worry about the teams behind us. Like we don't need like you do your thing and the Red Sox Yankee games aren't going to matter much the rest of the season. The more important games are Toronto and Tampa. Like they're playing Tampa today again, winning yesterday for nothing against, against the Rays. Does that bother you at all that it's too, almost too easy to get into the playoffs? No, it doesn't bother me how easy it is to get in the playoffs. I guess it's always just the same argument of you know it's a harder play. handicap though is it not i mean it's harder if you're gonna oh, no, buy wait. a future mar- if you're gonna buy a future market on a team like if you're sitting on a yankees ticket right now i mean i know you may have, you may have gotten it preseason but i wouldn't feel great about it even though the yankees are killing everybody in the regular season knowing what's coming in the postseason where all these teams are going to be fighting behind them and they're going to be walking on easy street for pretty much the rest of the year yeah i mean at the same time having a yankees ticket now you know you have one of the teams that doesn't have to battle it out at the bottom and and come right. through so like you're gonna have a, a better shot at a full series with the yankees versus any of these other teams um with baseball it's always just like why are we playing so many games <laughs> to have this few games eventually matter, matter? why is yep. there whatever percentage of the games it is to determine this seating so that we can just play this tiny sample size and see who gets through. Um, I don't know what the right balance is. It's definitely less regular season games, and I don't know, and maybe the same amount of playoff games. I, I one fifty four or less. I think like significantly less if we're trying to Ooh. like really balance it. I, I'm saying in terms of to really balance. Like here's our regular season. Here's what matters, and then here's what matters in the postseason. But like. They're not actually going to do that because it's a daily sport and there's the records that are the records that the numbers that people want to see. I would say that's the biggest reason why they won't do it is because, I mean, just go back to when they went to 162 from 154, the outcry with the Roger Maris home run record was ridiculous. And baseball remembers that. So dropping it, I mean, I think 154 would be the most they, they would decrease it down to. But I mean, I've heard people say go to 120 and make nine game series in the postseason. Sure. I <laughs> like I, I don't hate that. Um it's tough to get a balance in baseball because of what it what it is. But yeah, it's clearly imbalanced just based on the marathon that the regular season is and then the lightning round that the postseason is, put it that way. Yeah, I like the drama of the postseason. I like that it's I, that and short. Saying, and I, I love playoff baseball. I'm just saying it might not like all the work you have to do in the regular season, I guess, can be gone in a in a game. Like just look at the Red Sox Yankees wild card game last year. Like right. the Yankees had a great year and they were favored in that game. And it's all gone um because Garrett Cole doesn't have a good start at Fenway Park. I was very happy with the result. It was one of the most fun <laughs> games I've been to at Fenway oh, in, nice. in my life. It was an awesome game. Um but from a neutral standpoint, is that fair to the Yankees for all the work they did last year to get where they were to get just knocked off in, in one game? No. Yeah. But I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> other way around. Other, other way around, it would have been. <laughs> the one game wildcard games are great entertainment. It's just the team that loses. It's just like, oh, all that for this. <laughs> 
Yes. Someone said uh, OTG bets in the live chat saying that baseball when owners were, you know, saying that no one has enough pitching Oh, that's Dr. Sh- uh, Sean says no one has enough pitching for a nine game series. Yes, they do. You would just extend, you play it over two weeks. You wouldn't play it as condensed as they do. Now you just need to have off days and travel days. You just extend it. You could have, you, you, you have a five man pitching rotation. You have enough pitching for a nine game series. If you wanted to, it's just about how much time you would have. I mean, between. It's the same it's the same as any team playing nine games, right? It's right. Yeah. Against one team. Right. You could do it. I mean, that's not impossible to do that. And, and we've seen, I mean, the Red Sox are in this stretch where they're playing Tampa then the Yankees and then Tampa and the Yankees. Well, the first yeah. two weeks of July, they're playing two teams. So like you could, you could play a nine game series. You just have to have the off days be stretched out to make sure it could happen. But I mean, you would create for a really wild, to your point, it wouldn't be so much about the sprint and the condensing of you actually would see over the course of time, like we do with baseball regular season play, who actually is the better team, who's the deeper team versus having one pitcher that can go three times in a seven game series and knock you out. So, I mean, th- th- there are some people who are who are thinking about this and look, you never go to 120 games. Baseball is never going to go 120. If they do drop it, it would be 154. And I don't even think they're going to drop it to 154 to be quite honest. No. All right. First game of the day is a really good one. I have a play on it personally, but let's talk a bit about the Mariners at the Padres. It's a 110 Pacific time start 410 Eastern time start uh, Padres favored in this one. Logan Gilbert up against Mike Clevenger. You made the point that baseball has not been your friend. We're not enjoying baseball right now. Um, if I'm going to come in here, I'll come on here and tell you how many units I was up in NBA. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I'm down 20 in MLB. Uh, all right. um, so, you know, full transparency. It's always the case, baseball. right? It's never both. It's never good in both. Yeah, no. If you're tailing my baseball plays, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm laying <laughs> off right now. Oh, okay. Um, that doesn't mean it's not my job to, you know, give analysis because that right. is my job. So, yeah, it's, Logan Gilbert's been a good guy to back. Um, mm-hmm. I probably haven't backed him in in the right spots, and Seattle's playing well right now. Julio Rodriguez running away with the AL MVP, which is one of my bets, so hopefully Ooh. I get a chunk back there in the futures market nice. to make up for some of these bad handicaps. Um, Clevenger, though, really good. Um, really good. And his last couple starts, maybe not as good of a team. They've been going against Arizona. But four earned runs this month, or in the month of June, sorry, first start in, in July, but 15 innings pitched. Um, well, let, let me hear what your play is here before I keep going, actually. So I'm on Seattle Moneyline at plus 110. Okay. So Logan Gilbert on the road, 2.55 ERA, 5-1. and one. Has given up more home runs on the road, six to four, but 221 batting average against versus 234. He's pitched 53 innings on the road to 41 in uh, 41 two thirds at home. Started nine games, five and one record. I mean, a little more on, on the whip, it's a little bit higher on the road, but I, I just think this is a Seattle team that's playing well at the moment. And I, I like backing Logan Gilbert as much as I can here, even in this spot. And I got plus money last night with Seattle as a plus one ten dog. Yeah, uh, Seattle feels like the spot, and the Padres are just kind of a seem like a team to go against right now. I'm just scared of the starting pitching. I guess I think Clevenger can be you know equally as good as Gilbert. I guess, but then if you feel mm-hmm. like you have an edge bullpen wise and or um, at, at the plate, then you know, you got to fire on that, especially if it's plus money. 
Right. Um, well, it's plus 115. It's gone up a little bit. DraftKings has it plus 115 now on the money line. I got yeah. plus 110 last night. So, But the total is interesting because it was seven at certain spots here in Vegas. DraftKings currently has it seven and a half, juiced minus 115 to the under. I don't know if I trust. I think this would be an overplay, to be quite honest. I, I think the over is a... Do you have any feel on the, on the total? Because I think this game goes over. What I'll tell you is I'm not playing any under sevens this season, like no matter who's pitching. So yeah, that would be over a pass from me. Unless it's the Dodgers. Dodgers, I will play under seven. Okay. I guess the Dodgers are that good. Yeah. Um, Pitching wise, I would play on. I mean, Dodgers have been, especially if you've got Gosselin or or you've got Anderson or, or, or a good version of Kershaw going. I'll tell you this. Here's here's maybe the the straw that broke the camel's back for me taking a break from baseball. Friday night, I had Dodgers first. That was a Gonsolin game. That's what you just yep. reminded me of. Um, I had Dodgers first five minus the half run. The Dodgers led after the first inning, the second inning, the third inning, the fourth inning, the sixth inning, the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and the ninth inning. The only it was one nothing or two nothing. One nothing all the way up through the fourth. And they gave up the one run. One at fifth loses the bet. <laughs> yes. Take the lead in the sixth inning and maintain it for the game. So any other way you bet the on the Dodgers, run line too, by the way. The one that gave on the run line. <laughs> yes. You bet the Dodgers money line, run line. First five money line, you get your money back on a push. Um, Gonsolin to record the win. Those are hot props on DK betting yep. pitchers at plus money as the favorites to get the win. Any other way you backed him one unless you laid the half run for the first five loser dominate the whole game lead at the wrong point. That's just like, man, baseball. <laughs> that has nothing to do with Gilbert versus Clevenger, but there's my rant, but that is baseball. No, but you're hundred percent right. That, that, that is baseball. And that is one of those things where you're just like, you got to be kidding me because betting baseball, I I've been lucky because I've been hot here over the last week in baseball, but I'm fully anticipating it's going to turn on me. The, you know, the coin's going to flip and I'm going to go into, normally I hate betting baseball. Normally I'm right there with you, but I've actually had a pretty decent run of it. You know, I, I had a here. Plus I'll tell one. you this real quick too. Yeah. Nobody's going to, nobody listening is going to care or maybe not even believe me. I told you I'm down 20 units in baseball with the plays I've put out. Right. Plays that I have not released on baseball. I'm 11 and three. Oh, huh. That's a frustration. So if I need money, if I like need <laughs> money at any point in time, I just come just up don't with tell anybody. Like, don't put it on Twitter and then <laughs> don't yeah bet it and then just don't tell anybody you actually yeah, that nope. you're yeah. actually betting it. Yeah, so I, I like Seattle today in the first game. That game starts in about two hours in in, in San Diego. All right, Syndergaard against Alcantara is a really interesting interleague matchup. Our guy SoCal Djen posted this in our Discord channel. He posts. Really cool stuff uh, at betprep.com slash chat to get into it. Angels are 0-5 this season when they're on the road in a non-league game, 1-8 straight up over the last nine. Noah Syndergaard has a 6.53 ERA on the road. His ERA is under four at home. Alcantara is has a 1.8 ERA at home and a 1.9 ERA overall. Angels my, are one and five straight up in Syndergaard's last six starts. zero oh and four on the road. Marlins are eight and two straight up in Alcantara's last 10, four and one straight up in his last five home starts. Marlins minus 130 or the run line at plus 165. I like the Marlins, but which bet is more attractive to you? Oh, I'm never somebody that, um, this is just Marlins money line versus run line. You're saying? 
Or you can take the Angels if you right. want. Well, no, I'm not, I, I'm not. I don't bet against uh, Alcantara this year. It's like either you're betting them on on Sandy Day or or you're not. Um, and I don't mind this spot because the Angels, like you know, I don't. The Angels are wild in the sense that they have Otani and Trout and like can't figure this out. Like if, if this was any other sport and you had like the two like poster boys of the league. How do you stink every year? That's this has nothing to do with the pitching matchup again. This is just another baseball rant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the Marlins. But I'm one, I'm one of those people. I don't understand the getting greedy on the run line. Like if you have a money line that's in play, like I yeah. I, I play run lines when it's like you know even money to minus one twenty because the Dodgers are minus three hundred or whatever. Right. You got to put them down with the run line, or you want to play them on the first five, or you want to play the starting pitcher to get the win, or whatever. Cause that an unplayable price, but like if a money line on a, a guy that's favored to win the NL Cy Young uh, is minus one thirty at home. Why am I, why do I need them to win by multiple runs when it's at such a playable price? I'm just like, Oh, well, that's why I asked it because the total is seven on DraftKings right now. Exactly. And now you're so, getting, there's going to be seven runs in this game. And I'm going to bet the Marlins who are nothing special offensively to win by multiple runs. Like no way when it's at an affordable price to just get, get the win. And yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I get why you push your luck and go to 165 and maybe you bet both, right? Half a unit on money line, half a unit on plus 165. So maybe get minus one. That's, that's popular these days. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind a play. If you want to just do something like that, that's not horrible, but I, I'm with you on the total. Like normally I like betting run lines. We'll get it to better to book it later. I've got two run line bets and, I, and I've done, as I said, I've been doing well in baseball. I never like to lead, to lead, to lay juice on run lines, but I did today I, I have two bets where i've laid juice on but oh i just yeah i have two of them but it, it's interesting to see like what when you look at the total and you're going to go on run line it's hard because it may just if you like the run line you should almost always bet the over as well when it's so low of a seven i think you're going to need like an eight four seven three final in order to get the run line in a lot of ways because you're going to fly over or it's going to be a two to one win and the Marlins going to win two to one and the game goes under that sound. I mean, I have nothing to add. That's how baseball. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, the, the one thing that baseball, baseball is weird about the reason why I think a lot of people who are, who are betting baseball like yourself, who understand trends and normally going against favorites and taking plus money on the dogs. I mean, it's basically been like a 65% clip on favorites this year. I mean, favorites yeah. just have crushed it in baseball. And a lot of the favorites are winning on the run line. They're not just winning. They're winning huge. Like the Astros and the Yankees are both under teams, but they're crushing it on the run line because they're giving up one, two or three runs to their opponent. They're scoring six or seven. And they're, I mean, the, their totals are nine. So they're winning the games, five, three, six, three, five, two, seven, two, somewhere in that range. And the games are going under. And that's frustrating. A lot of people who are going like, at some point, the books have got to adjust on this. And they haven't up to this point. Now get to the all-star break, maybe different story in the second half of the year. Yeah. Again. So like, this isn't, you know, you want to handicap each baseball game individually. Like if you're a mm -hmm. baseball better, especially if you're a volume better, but if you're a more casual baseball better and you play lower volume like me, which opens up the door to get your ass kicked, like I'm getting my ass kicked in baseball recently, <laughs> but there's three teams that I would say, generally speaking, I look at the run line and I'm like, okay, let's just go run line. And that would be, you named them the Yankees, the Astros and the Dodgers because yeah. they just beat the pulp out of people. They have the offenses to get the lead. They have the bullpens to maintain them. Like they just have the pieces that you need for run line bets. So like 
those are the three teams that I'm comfortable when I see like, here we go. The Astros are minus 115 again on the on the run line. Those are the teams that I'm I'm more comfortable going with. And I'm a huge, I don't like, I like to m- simplify the baseball game. So I'm a big first five better. Ah, there you um, go. But uh, as I said, like I haven't been doing well and a lot of these teams have come back to win. So do, like, do I need to look at more, let those first five goes and maybe lay some, lay some run lines with Friday night's Dodgers game being the perfect example. Yeah. So called DJ on the live chat on YouTube and you guys can go and watch props and, and just go search Bostonian versus the book on YouTube for the live chat. Uh, road teams this year are covering run lines 83% of the time, close to 10% higher than home teams that win. So a road team that gets a win 83% okay. of the time, they're winning on the run line plus or minus half a run. So it depends on what side they're on the run line. That's the tricky thing about run line stats. Sometimes yeah. it's plus one and a half and they lose by one that and covers the run bat, line. And you don't have to bat in the bottom of the night. Yeah. That covers over. So just FYI on that, just so you guys understand, sometimes you're like, wait, 83%. No, that's, they can lose four, three and they just covered the run line because they were plus one and a half well, going in the game. But does that count? Because wasn't you got to read the stat to me again? Because road teams stat. that win. Oh yeah, I guess they win. Right, right. yeah, that win. Three and cover. Correct. It's be a road You're right. Team that wins. You're right. Road teams that win also cover the run line about eighty three percent of the time, close to ten percent higher than home teams that get Ws. So I do bet that includes a handful of like pick 'em games where the because you're the road team, you're the plus one and a half, and you do go on to win the, the game, game outright. Yeah. You're, you know, oh, if you win four, three, there you go. If you win four, three as a plus one and a half, that would qualify in the stat that would qualify. Right. So that's so th- now my question is like, what percent of road teams have won games in baseball this year? Because like, I get that this is 83% of the time in a win, but that doesn't mean just go bet all the road teams, right? Because this no, is just when they win. <laughs> right. Just when they win. Right. So, so what percentage, I, you know, you, I mean, you would guess if, you know, probably 45% of the time, the road teams winning in baseball home yeah. teams you know, 55% somewhere in that kind of a cliff, but favorites this year in baseball have just been ridiculous and, and run line betting. Mine. I'm a favorites better. Mine don't work. <laughs> so this when you're not betting it, I guess it, it, you have to watch out for that. But like Orioles and the Rangers are the two best teams this year on the run line. The yeah. Orioles all of a sudden are really good. They've won 13 of 22 games. It's like, what yeah. the hell? So the, <laughs> AL East the, is the AL tough. East the AL East is just really good. When they play teams out of the AL East, they win and cover. It feels like, so like the, yeah, Texas, I've been betting a lot of Rangers games. I've been, I've been, I've stayed away from the Orioles. I did not bet the Orioles and Rangers series, any of them, because those two best run line teams playing each other. I was like, no, I'm not going to cancel it. I'll cancel each other out. So I didn't bet that, but you know, second half of the year angels and those are the Royals and the angels are teams. I look to fade on the run line. And teams I look to back are the Orioles and the Rangers on the run line. Yep. And, and teams that I think you can take plus or minus or take plus one and a half or lay uh, minus one and a half. Uh, the Phillies are in, awful on the run line. Who are? The Royals are like the worst. Oh my God, they're so bad. They're right. absolutely god awful. And they're playing today. We'll talk about that in better to book it. Yeah, here we uh, go. <laughs> Phillies against Washington. So I blindly bet going into the series. I noticed that the Washington nationals had only beaten the Marlins once. I think they were seven or they were, they were eight and one. The Marlins were going into the series. So I bet all four games. I bet against the Washington nationals. 
They lost all four games. So I had four, four wins, four one unit plays. I want to thank them. The Florida Marlins are a big reason why just the picks has gotten off to a really good start because the Marlins are crushing it against the nationals. Well, the nationals play the Phillies today. Nats have lost five straight. Now Philadelphia is four and one against the Washington nationals. Can you lay, you, you, you said you're not, you're not always afraid of juice, but is 165 too rich for your blood on the money line for Philly today? That's like, you know, regardless of handicapping the game, just price wise, I generally say like minus 155 to 160 is the most I'll lay. So you're trying okay. to push me right outside of my number here and see if I'll take the bait. Um, <laughs> see, this is usually when like, what's your what's your cap here? Because honestly, I haven't I haven't like gone through. Looked at it. I mean, to, to me, I would look to go and back the Phillies. But the one thing that is concerning is, is it, that I'm saying your, your breakdown on the game, is it more, do you like the starting pitching match? No, I, I, I just think you have a really bad nationals team. They're just absolutely horrible. Their bullpen is horrible. Um, okay, I don't so know much about this. The Espino kid, the Espino guy going for Washington. I know nothing about he's uh, he's lost four of his five starts. He's given up four, one, two, one and zero earned runs but they keep on losing. Like he's, he's mostly an opener, like three and two thirds, four and a third. He has a couple of five inning appearances that he's gone, but mostly he's out there to go through the, the lineup once and hand it off to the bullpen and just hope that the game's not totally out of reach. Right. Okay. So I lead, I, I lean Phillies. I, I would lean Phillies on the, on the run line, but I think Phillies on the money line as well. You could jump on. I just think Washington's just garbage. They're, they're this horrible. Philly this Philly kid looks like a opener as well. He just pitches an inning as well. So this is like yeah. both end games for both. See, this is where I'm like, I'm just out. We yep. got two openers. Now I got to research bullpens all day. Now I got to see who's pitched out of the bullpen <laughs> the last couple of days and who's going to be available and for how long. Right. Um. So out. You can't get me to bet on any. Don't even offer me a bet on this game. <laughs> Nationals are 15 and 22 on the road this year. Phillies are 22 and 20 at home, but they've won. It means nothing to me. <laughs> they've won 10, one, five, three, eight, seven, two to one. The Nats won the last game nine to three. But the Phillies are the Phillies. They're not like a slam dunk, but a four and one mark is a four and one mark against a really bad team. So I, I would lean Phillies. I don't have a play in the game, but I said that that's where I, I would lean on this. Uh, I strongly lean to betting almost any other game on the board, but this, <laughs> but this one, this. stay away from this one. Um, I'm not doing it over the weekend. I just want to quickly say a quick thing because I think the, the, the gambling community, I don't know. How old are you? I'm, gonna I'm, go, I, I'm okay. So I'm about, do you remember Hank Goldberg doing betting content? Yeah. Yeah. Not to, he probably doesn't, you know, didn't have the impact on me that he had on somebody your age, but right. I clearly know him, you know, it was fun to see like, you know, him come on like daily wager even more recently and just kind of see him jump on and, and do his segments, but obviously right. aware of who he is. And I probably missed the, the prime of his content. Um, but obviously aware of, of, of him and what he's done. Madeline, there's nobody there. There's no one there, Maddie. 
My daughter is freaking out because somebody knocked on the front door, so she's having a whole fit. Our neighbor's not supposed to come over here until noon. She knows that, but it's eleven twenty, and so she decides to come. And you know, kids can't tell time, so then my daughter comes in here saying she wants to go play outside, and she can't do that. So I apologize. Look, Hank Goldberg was the first person I ever saw do betting content on television, and though it was, I, I did see others after I saw Hank Goldberg, but he was the first one. And then you had obviously like the Swamis, you know doing the the NFL stuff where Chris Berman would do his take on the games and do this, you know, the two minute drill and give his picks against the spread. But, you know, Hank Goldberg was a dude that I actually, when he started talking about numbers, I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. And I was just like, what is that? And it was wild because for a long time, you know, growing up where we grew up, my grandfather ran numbers in Lawrence, Massachusetts, was arrested as a bookie. And, I the terms running numbers. I never knew what the hell that was. What was running numbers mm-hmm. until my grandfather got arrested for running numbers at Sears Tavern in Main Street in Lawrence. And I had to be exposed to, oh yeah, those guys that kept on walking in the back room while you were hanging out at the bar. Yeah, they were going to go in there and place their bets. It was like, oh, okay, now I understand. And it kind of came full circle after I started watching more on Hank Goldberg. But I mean, I think that th- he passed away here in Vegas over the weekend at the age of 82 after a long battle uh, with kidney disease. And I think for all of us who now talk about this in the space and as openly we talk about it for the people who came before us who really, you know, the pioneers who took the heat and the shrapnel and everything else from it, it's quite significant to sit there and say it. What? Yes. And so, you know, those are the opportunities I, I think for a lot of people who are, you know, my age or older, th- there was a lot of outpouring on social media and just thoughts. And I thought ESPN's Jeremy Schaap's piece on him was really interesting. I'd go watch that. If you haven't actually seen, if you're younger and don't know who Hank Goldberg is and you like betting, I think we all kind of owe the guy a, a huge debt of gratitude for, for what he did and just going in and, and taking the heat from so many people like, Oh, that's horrible. I mean, I remember working in Nebraska, you know, a, a good friend of mine came to me and was like, you should do more betting content. We bet. Why don't you talk about it on the show? I mean, I can't talk about it on the show in Nebraska in 2006. Are you crazy? Like, I can't do that. People are going to be flipping out at me. Like I'm not able to actually like, you know, justify that. And now, I mean, Nebraska is legal. Iowa's legal. (laughs) These these states are all, everyone's talking about betting now in sports talk radio. So it's, there was a time when this stuff wasn't allowed guys, by the way, just in case you don't realize this, (laughs) this type of show was not well received by the masses um heck your your job didn't exist <laughs> you know with, that's what, what you do that's what i was gonna say like for somebody like this um like hank that you know i wasn't necessarily somebody that i i don't want to say aware of wasn't somebody that i was like looking up to like oh my god who's this doing this gambling content maybe like somebody your age was i i missed that window by a little bit but like right. then i'm i'm very aware of who he is and what he has has done so like when i see something like this i'm like yeah my job doesn't exist without that content starting somewhere and, right. and he's the one of the people that started that and opened that bridge and that's why we have the jobs that we that we have and yeah. are able to do what we do so for that i'm extremely grateful obviously absolutely all right so where are you on tua dolphins quarterback coming in very divisive character as we head towards the summertime are you believing into a here new 
you know, new weapon to throw to in Tariq Hill? Or are you still on the bench as to being on Team Tua? Um, let me start and ask you one quick question, I guess, and then I'll go. Okay. The team doesn't matter. Let's say it's the um, who just won the Super Bowl, the Rams. Right. Let's say it's the Rams, and you get the full Rams team, but you have to pick Tua or Mac Jones to be your quarterback for the season. Who do you pick? Well, I wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> um, oh, that's a really so tough. Just who's the better player? You get to put him on the best well, team. Well, I mean, because I'm not asking you why, where are you on Tua to compare to Mac, even though I do have I a Mac Jones. I have a Mac Jones question curious. for you next. Because my my point on Tua is a year ahead of Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So he's had a whole more year, a whole year of seeing NFL defenses before. So, like, I don't know. For the Rams, I probably would take Tua. He's older, more experienced, and he's got guys that just get the ball into their hands and let them let them do the work type of thing. Yeah, I think it's I, not to cop out of my own question. I think it's pretty close to a coin flip. Is like the main thing. It's a really tough question. If you said Mac Jones, if you said two, I wouldn't like, you know, come down on you and be like, "That's a bad right. take." The other guy, um, I probably lean Tua as well. Um, but this is also a year that Mac Jones could you know pass him maybe but my take on Tua is that this is the this is the year that we find out what he is and that's why it's a hard question because we don't know exactly what Tua is but this is the year that we're going to find out what he is because he's had the you know a rookie year and a second year where he's been banged up he hasn't had a good offensive line the weapons have been okay but it's always been like oh like Mike Kosicki's the go-to guy at tight end so like right now they spent the whole offseason upgrading the offensive line. You have Waddle in his second year and add Tyree Kill. Can Tua throw the long ball? I don't know. We'll find out. But people are just thinking Waddle and Hill just run straight and catch it. No, what about screen passes? What about slants? And those guys just take off. Like, they're going to make something happen with that. And he's got the protection. He's got the weapons. He's in his third year. The line is going to help him stay healthier. And I think maybe I'm wrong here. I'm pretty sure Miami brought back all 11 starters on defense. Maybe it was 10, but they're yeah, all back. 11. Well, was Van Noy a starter? I don't know. That's a good question. He's like a fringe. I mean, I, I know that they, they, they didn't bring back everybody. I'm trying to think, but like, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of their guys on a lot of the DBs, I think are back. It's the schedule for me. Like, okay. So the, this was a debate I was getting into with David Berman. who's a big dolphins fan from ESP and chalk. Would you take who has it? Who has more wins? Patriots dolphins. Okay. So yeah, this is a good question. This is kind of what I was getting at with the math versus two, a thing. Yeah. I think the dolphins are going to be much better than the Patriots this year. Ooh. Have you seen their schedule? Yep. Yep. It's a- there are two stretches. There are two four game stretches that the Patriots don't have that the Dolphins have that are yeah, really I mean, tough. In theory, like the Patriots should have the more, I mean, the Patriots have the harder schedule based on who they beat last year, I guess, or based on where they finished last year. You would right. Say. So the first four games for Miami is home for New England at Baltimore, home for Buffalo at Cincinnati. Yeah. So there's like what's the record? Patriots. They could start zero. They have they risk starting zero and four. Okay. And then they have a stretch where they go at San Francisco, at Los Angeles Chargers, at the Buffalo Bills. 
home for Green Bay and at the Patriots in December. Yeah. It's a tough schedule. I, you know, this is why I think, you know, their win totals are similar. I think that it's going to be maybe the Dolphins by a win over the Patriots. Okay. Um, but I think I test wise and more specifically when they match up, I think it's going to be clear that the Dolphins are better. One of the, I haven't bet it yet. I kind of like Miami minus two and a half in week one. Yeah, I would agree with um, that. Yeah. It just feels, but the Patriots win, game, but the Patriots win the game in December. Maybe. And, yeah. I, I think they split. They go one and one. This is the part I always look like every year when the schedule comes out. The first thing I look at is where's the Miami road trip? Mm-hmm. Because then the Miami home game, it's going to be in either cold. Like they'd rather flip this. They'd rather play in Foxborough in September and Miami in December. Just like playing. they did last year when they won both. Yeah. I, I, I did. That's the way they needed. Yeah. That, that makes it better for Miami to be able to have those situations and better for the Patriots too, for that matter. Cause I think the, the weather in early September, Patriots are going to roast. And then for the Patriots having the home game in December, it's going to be a really big deal for them to be able to have it. Yep. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, to, I, to answer the question after, you know, jumbling it around and talking about different things, I think that Tua has more potential than people are giving him. Like there's a reason he was the number five pick over Justin Herbert. I imagine if right. his Miami team had Herbert, first of all, like no matter how good of a year Tua has, that's always going to be a mistake, but he was the number one five pick at Alabama for a reason. Like he knows how to play with talent around him with a good offensive line. And that's what he has this season. So I think he can have a good season is the answer. Yeah. I, I think there's a question mark there. I'm not, I'm not fully sold on Tua. I, I no. think there's, the, the, there's yeah. some questions about arm strength. There's some questions about decision-making, some questions about durability, questions about staying healthy. You're right. We're going to find just- out this year. A- anybody are you, anyone you know taking a flyer on this Mac Jones MVP conversation? No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I, I know somebody who has, who's bet this good for them. I guess um, <laughs> it's not I me to say I'll take that bet. I won't, I, I don't know if I feel like paying it out, but it's, it's not going to hit. So it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know how Mac, what Mac Jones path to MVP is. I would rather bet Tua for MVP than I would Mac Jones put it Fair. that way. I think there's a higher ceiling there with that player in that offense this year. Um, you know, you add, I think the thought is if the Patriots two tight ends become Gronk and Hernandez 2.0 and they run the ball really well, that the Patriots will have Mac Jones will be a guy with some gaudy numbers, like 24 touchdowns in one pick type of thing. I, I can't get there. I can't, I just can't find a way to get there. Agreed. Um, not that I, I don't know who I would bet for MVP. Like I'm, I think these types of things like NFL MVP, such a hard thing to bet before the season. And it's so amazing that these markets are open in season. Right. It's like you get a look at it and it's like, I, I just, I bet these things in season for the most part. Um, because I think getting that look at it is worth so much, even if you're paying uh, even if you get a worse price, like if I get to watch half the season before I make my bet, that's a ridiculous advantage to a degree. So like if you told me to bet preseason and MVP, I would, I would get pretty square. I'd probably take, I think Herbert's 10 to one on DK Sportsbook. Um, I would probably look at something like that uh, versus a, a long shot, but I, Mac Jones isn't 
going to be one of the people that I'm regretting not having a ticket on. (laughs) I would agree. So when do you start looking at college football? Like, is it now time for you? Are you getting into it now? Yep. Start breaking it down now. Okay. So I have a, my, my podcast last week on reasonable odds presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We had our first college football preview come out. We did mostly SEC and ACC. Okay. How did you guys feel about Georgia? I think it's a tough team to bet a future on right now. Um, I think they're going to be very good. I think they have a chance to go 12 and 0 because of how the schedule sets up more on that in just one second. You don't play Alabama, right? I know we're getting there. Um, You don't play Alabama and you're by far the best team in your division. Um, I think they're going to open up. We don't have divisions up yet on DK Sportsbook. I don't believe, but they should Mm -hmm. open up in like the minus 500 range to win Mm -hmm. their division. Um, I think this is the year, you know, after, like completely running the table outside of the SEC championship game. I think they're going to drop a game. So like, I think they'll win 11. I'm not going to pick the game though. Like, I don't know when the spot's going to be. Um, but yeah, Georgia should be a team that, you know, wins 11 or so games, plays Alabama in the SEC championship game and makes the the college football playoff. So let's do the schedule of the day being brought to you by Circus Sports, Circus Sports Million Four Football Handicapping Contest. It is the most exciting handicapping contest. Back for another year, Million Four will deliver six million in guaranteed total prizes, one million dollars first place prize. The contest once again will not take a rake. Any fees go right back into the prize pool. Each player will make five picks in pro football. Picks worth one point. I guess technically could be a half a point too, depending on how it breaks out. At least $1 million on the table. Entries are $1,000, max of three per player. Test your skills this year against the best handicappers in the world. Your chance at a million dollars. For more information about the contest rules and sign-up information, log on to circusports.com. All right, so 10 and a half Georgia Bulldogs, DK Sportsbook right now. Mm-hmm. Over 10 and a half is minus 220. This is expensive delay the 11 but you like 11 right so if you made me bet this and like i i said this a million times if you listen to to my podcast like win totals in college football are something that i don't mind laying like kind of extreme juice on if you really like it because like a lot of these teams paths are determined now (laughs) i'm not more confident it's the same price as alabama i think alabama might be up to 240 Ten and a half, same number. Yep. Right. So I, I put Alabama out as soon as we put the college football win total markets out. I put out Alabama over ten and a half at minus one ninety. Okay. Um, it just like Alabama's not going to lose two games. I don't think they're going to lose one. The but they could Alabama, and I know we're talking about Georgia, and now I'm talking about Alabama, but it's the same ties in breakdown in a lot of ways though. Um, the the closest point spread I think Alabama's going to have is a Saturday night game hosting Texas A and M. Correct. It's. I think it's going to be. I think the spread is ten right now on DK Sportsbook. Maybe we get there and it's eight or nine. Who knows? But they're favored by double digits in every game, and that's a revenge spot. The only regular season loss last year for Alabama was at A and M on a Saturday night. So and we know what happened game. between the two coaches in the offseason. And what happened between the two coaches in the offseason. <laughs> so you're telling me that A and M is going to come in to Alabama on the Saturday night and knock them off at home after Alabama lost to them last year? No way. So there's the closest game of the season. And I'm telling you, Alabama is not going to lose it. So like now you take that to the Georgia side. I just don't know for sure. Like coming off the championship, losing some key defenders. I don't know for sure enough to lay 220 that they're not going to lose twice. Cause I think they're going to lose once. 
but I, I would lean to the over, I guess is what I would say. All right. Let's see if we can find two losses. They open at home. Well, I guess it's a neutral site game. They open. It's where Atlanta. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a kickoff classic. Uh, Line is large, 17 and a half or more, 51 total. Any shot Oregon beats Georgia week one? No, but I guess like it's a good spot to catch them early coming off the national title. Um, But I, and Oregon gets like Bo Nix, who's an SEC guy coming in at quarterback from Auburn. So, like, is Bo Nix going to be the starter for Oregon? I think so. That was my understanding. Wow. If he starts in that game, that actually makes me pause for a second. I might actually like the plus 17 and a half. So like, yeah, I'm, I mean, he's I, an Auburn kid. He hates Georgia. This is his, his all his whole off season is seeing red. Literally. Right. He's going to be so like, on it. I don't hate this spot for Oregon who like loses their coach to Miami. And like, you know, that could be a two touchdown game for sure. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, Georgia should win. They're going to be too. They're going to be too talented. Samford in week two. You can skip the ones we need to skip <laughs> at South Carolina. So again, this is one where you get a transfer quarterback that everybody forgets about. This is um, Spencer Rattler, right? Who was favored at times to win the Heisman favored at times to be the number one overall pick that said Georgia, but <laughs> interesting, man. I don't know. Right? That's a, it's, it's a, I mean, what's the, I, I haven't seen the look ahead line. What's the line? 21. 17. Um, oh God. Let me start opening these. I it's gotta be, it's gotta be enormous. This is week. What? Three, three. Yeah. Georgia yeah, at South Carolina. The date. That'll be easier. Uh, the 17th of September, 17th of September. Let me see if we even have that up. Um, 17th of September. Games not on the board at DK right now. I'm sure places had do have it. Yeah, but I'm I'm guessing it's going to be it's it's more than two touchdowns. Yeah, for a road favorite at South Carolina. Maybe I I I actually feel more. I could see a South Carolina win over Georgia before I could see the Oregon win. Yeah, tough place to play on the road. You've got. You know, that's early. It's your first conference game coming off a championship noon kickoff. I mean, I've been there. I mean, South Carolina, Columbia is going to be bumping for that game. They're going to be just cracking for that. So So, we'll we'll circle that one as like a a spot. Yeah, that's a maybe for for South Carolina. They'll beat Kent State. They'll beat Missouri on the road. Auburn at home on the 8th of October. Was on the plains, I might say Auburn, but in but in Athens, yikes, that might get away so from. Oh, we got a Auburn. we got a number up on that one. You want to guess uh, for Georgia at home? Georgia hosting Auburn, twenty three and a half, twenty one and a half. You're right okay. there. Okay. So yeah, I mean they're not going to lose that game at home. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna roll. Uh, Vanderbilt is a walk in the park, and then Florida in the cocktail party. I yeah, what's the date on the Florida game? The Florida game is on the 5th, sorry, the 29th of October. Okay. Um yeah, we got a number there. I thought it would I thought it would maybe even be a little smaller, but Florida's not that good this year is the problem. Nope. And it's at Georgia. So I can't even Well, it's technically neutral, but yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. Jack it's in Jacksonville, but 
Oh, Jacksonville. So never mind. So it's in Florida, I guess. I forgot about that. It's always in Jacksonville. Yeah. It's a, it's an equal distance drive for both schools. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's, four, it's, not it's 14 and a half on the, on the number. Yeah. I, I would, I think they, they would cover that. Uh, Tennessee at home. Okay. So Tennessee is good. Yep. Um, this is at over. Tennessee. Over. Now it's a home game. Home game. Okay. I, I don't like that it's a home game, but I'll, I'll circle it as a spot. Maybe. Tennessee yeah. can be really good. And again, it's going to be a big favorite, but the the potential is there. I mean, it, the spread's 15 and a half, so technically they're saying Florida has a better chance. Um, I think Tennessee has a, a chance, so we'll circle this one with the South Carolina, I guess. And there are two games that I'm really interested to get your take on. At mm-hmm. Mississippi State, the 12th of November, So at Mississippi State is tough. I wish Mississippi State was a little better. If I was going, I think this is a no. But the reason why I bring it up as interesting is because I think they could potentially drop either at Mississippi State or at Kentucky. They play back to back road games. So I knew you were going to. I knew at Kentucky was next. If we're going between these, I'm going to say at Kentucky is the one that I want to say. I would agree. I, I think the only games I could see Georgia losing at South Carolina and at Kentucky. That's it. Those are the only, those are the only games I could see them losing. And that's fair. So that essentially puts, um, you know, there's your, there's your 10 or 11. Like I agree. They should probably, they probably should lose one of those games. Like, and, but they also could run the table. They also could go right back to 12 and only right back in the championship game again. I mean, but their defense graduate, I mean, they lost five or six first round picks right off the defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do need to see what this defense looks like given the number of players that they lost. That's what, ma- that's what makes it so hard with some of these win totals where it's like, you know, it's 10 and a half. You're getting a free loss in there that you can still cash your over tickets with when you know the team's going to be heavily favored in every game. It's hard to talk yourself off the over. You just have to remember there are slip-ups. So, like, I'm going to say oh, yeah. Georgia slips up, slips up once, but to lose your bet, it, it, they have to do it twice, and that's – that's hard. Yeah. I, I, if you're going to bet the under, you need the South Carolina and Kentucky wins. I think you need a road, an early loss and a late loss for it to get there. And, and you know, then, when a team, no, no team that's ever lost two regular season games has ever made the college football play. Right. Which so, is what, but you'd put Georgia not making it back into the football. I mean, if they go under, they're not making the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. So what's the, sorry, what's the price on the under? Do you have that in front of you for the time? Um, yeah, it is plus plus one eighty. So I think at some point in time, we might get, don't quote me here. I think we had it last year though. Yes. No markets on college football playoff is Georgia going to be yep. better than plus 180. What if Georgia is plus 225 to miss the college football playoff? Then you just play that. Right. Fair. So it's, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough market, but like at the same time, fading these teams is, is scary. One of the ones I regret from last year, I was looking at Clemson like plus 440 to miss the college football playoff. They were the favorites. They were the highest priced team to make it. Yep. And obviously they went, they went nine and three regular season. They didn't have it. That was a big, I, I regretted that one. Cause I was looking at it. I was like, I can see, you know, your Alabama, Georgia. Um, I had Ohio state in there who wasn't in there. And then one fourth mystery team, which wound up being like your, your Michigan and your Cincinnati's. I was like, I could see, those three teams with Ohio state and a mystery team getting in and Clemson missing. I was 
wrong with who actually got there, but Clemson didn't get there. So sometimes firing on one of these bigger teams to not get there at big plus money can, can work out for you. It's interesting stuff. All right. We'll say goodbye to our friends at sports grid. Thank you for watching guys. We'll be back on tomorrow, 11 PM Pacific time following the Pat McAfee show on sports grid for you guys on YouTube and on Twitter. Stick around. We got more coming with Julian and myself here for the Bostonian versus the book. All right. Uh, let's get to the props.com story of the day. They're going to the Red Sox game here today. And overall, Julian, how, how do you feel about strikeout props? I need to really have a good feel for it, which I generally don't. But I think betting <laughs> strikeout props, if you're somebody that does the work, is a great way to go about betting baseball. And sometimes I tail some smart people on them. All right. So Justin Bales, one of our writers for props.com, yep. he, his favorite strikeout prop for today is Nick Pavetta going over five and a half Ks Tampa at Boston, seven ten Eastern time start. Pavetta has recorded 8.7 Ks per nine through 94 innings, 23% strikeouts, a 9.5 sw- uh, swing and miss strike rate. Uh, 27% called straw caught, uh, caught looking rate. Uh, let's see Tampa striking out 24% of the time over the last 14 days, second in major league baseball in strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers. Pavetta has been pretty good. Four and a half is the number at certain books, but you can go get five and a half at certain books at over five and a half at plus one thirty. You like the over money five and a half for Nick Pavetta to strike out six rays today, tonight. I mean, he's got to go six innings, right? I mean, he's got to go six. Feels like it, but he's, Does been he go six? Good, he's been a guy that's been good getting deeper into games. Um, and I, I mean, I like the numbers on Tampa's recent lack of success against righties. Yeah. Uh, that's the number that, you know, there's a lot of fancy numbers you can use in baseball. That's the number that jumped out to me out of what you, what you just read from, from Justin Bales. So you can talk me into it, especially at plus money. Yeah. I, I like it just because the Red Sox right now, Pavetta needs to be good. Like he just needs to be good in the Red Sox because they got Chris sale coming back soon. This is, this is the entire season. Like this two week stretch of Tampa, New York, Tampa, New York, we're going to know where the Red Sox are and whether or not they can hang. They'll probably make the playoffs regardless because they'll beat up on bad teams, but this is a really important stretch. These are playoff type games to me in July. So Pavetta needs to be good today. Needs to keep, stay away from that Red Sox bullpen. Like just stay away from those guys. So what are you counting? You see me counting. So yes. Pavetta's made 12 starts since the start of May. Right. And he's gone six or more innings in 10 of them. So him and Walker have been great. I mean, Walker's been the kind of the, the find of the of the year for the Red Sox. Pavetta's the guy that they expected to be like this, but now he has had five or fewer strikeouts in three of his last four, which is maybe okay. why the numbers set a little lower, but at four and a half, game, right? Yeah. I mean, he had 10, he had 10 against St. Louis. Then you want to go back before that 11 against the angels, seven against Oakland. And then he was, he was right on that number pretty much all of May. That's the numbers right on spot. But if you're saying it's a plus one thirty for over five and a half against a team that's been striking out a lot against righties, then I think you can find a way to get there. Okay. The betprep.com prop bet of the day. You can find this being done with someone who's a little more, more interesting to talk than me with Jenna Garcia at bet props on Instagram and TikTok. She does this each and every day. If you guys miss any of this, but they're going with 
Jameson Talion over four and a half Ks. DraftKings had it at minus 130 earlier today. Talion's gone five or more in six of his last eight starts, averaging 5.3 per game. All four of his last four starts against a bottom 10 defense, six per game. On the road, averaging nearly six innings per. Only the Angels and Braves have more Ks this year than the Pirates. Over the last three games, the Pirates have averaged over 10 Ks per, including 14 strikeouts yesterday for the Pittsburgh Pirates. How are you feeling about Jameson going over four and a half Ks at minus 130? This is a little expensive. This is uh, for me, strikeout props. I don't, this this is my ceiling. 130. If I'm going to, this is the most juice I would lay on a strikeout prop is 130. Well, then if that's your ceiling, you're not going to like this because DK is one of the books that does have Pavetta at four and a half, except Ah. minus 185 to the over. So you really need him to get to that five um, if you're going to lay it. Tie on is minus 125 on DK Sportsbook. So you're saying okay. it's there. It's getting more into your range, Matt. I like that and, better. 125, uh, I'd lay. Yeah. One thing that you left off this is the NBA analyst in me coming out here in NBA, uh, in MLB. Revenge spot, Jameson Tyon, former pirate, um, going back to PNC for this game. Might want to look good, show the pirates what they missed out on, mow down some. Uh, some hitters from one of the, you know, lower friends and friends and family in the, in in the crowd too, potentially some, some familiar, familiar faces. Yeah. I don't, maybe just some motivation to get out there and have a good start against the not very great lineup. So I think between the two, it sounds maybe like tie on would be my favorite bet. Definitely. If, if it's between the one eighty five and the one twenty five, but plus money, even plus money on Pavetta. I think, I think I like that number on tie on. All right, very cool. All right, it is time for you to play the part of Dave Sharapen. Oh you get to be the book. Now you work for a book, I so you get to be the you get to be the book. I throw plays straight before you even start. People see that I work for a book, DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm not setting these numbers. I'm not grading your bets. This isn't what I do. I'm an analyst. I bet I want to win with the betters. You are Go not ahead. a book. You're not in the risk room. You don't set numbers. You are oh. a content provider you are a yeah. yes you are you're on our side of the counter tickets together yes he, he is he is on our side of the counter so but bet it means you like it book it means you do not like it mm-hmm. we are talked about seattle but we'll, we'll get your take on this seattle money line plus 110 today against the padres betting it or booking it this one is really close for me given the i know the rest of what we're talking about and don't feel bad though. If you don't like it, just say book it. I yeah, can hurt my no, feelings. I know. I'll probably book it just because when I don't have an opinion, maybe yeah. you want to be on the book side, and that's going to be right. my answer here. And Clevenger, like I said when we talked about it, Clevenger's been been pretty good, and they're at home. San Diego's at home. I'll book it because I don't have a strong take. Okay. The Astros are taking on former Astro Mitch Revenge Spot and Zach Granke. Zach Granke on the road has been a abysmal this year Royals one of the worst teams against the run line Astros have won one of the best teams to the under this year but also pounding teams on the run line laying juice on this which I hate to do but I've been warm in baseball so I'm going to push my luck here a little bit Astros run line minus 110 against the Royals betting it or booking it absolutely betting it like this is why maybe I don't know if this is an answer Dave would give this is even part of the reason I'll book the first one because I know that I'm betting this one. I, now you've got me about to come out of baseball retirement today <laughs> because 
he calls it a double B play. Uh, uh, no, a, a B squared play is what he calls it. Okay. So if, if he likes it a lot, it's a B squared, meaning he would bet it and I bet it. So both B's on the show are better. Yeah, this is this is probably B squared right here. Um, like like you said, Granky awful on the road. The Royals awful against the run line. The Astros money on the run line. Now, I don't love and this doesn't keep me from doing it but i don't love betting the run line favorites at home because you're yep. always in risk the bottom of the ninth. losing an inning and winning by one and not having to bat in the ninth which always stinks been pushing it with the astros i, I did bet them once recently and they hit that walk off two run home run um to get the cover in a game they were down against the angels but yeah this is i mean astros at home against a dreadful team yes I'm, i'll take the run line i will bet it yeah, our guy Sokal Dijan is throwing this back at me because he's right. Luis Garcia does have a higher ERA at home than on the road. That is true. Uh, Greinke has been okay. Uh, eight and three record straight up against the Astros in his career. But I, I, he's comfortable in Houston. But I don't particularly think it's something to be worried about personally. I'm not I'm not stressed about it. Career stats and on it, Zach Greinke go back ages. Yes, <laughs> to when he was good. Finally, this is literally the highest juice I will lay on a run line. It's expensive. but. I do think it's worth it. Mets run line minus 120 against the Reds today. Mets have been outstanding this year on the run line. And man, there are some just the Reds get punished here. How do you feel about the Mets run line laying minus 120 with the return of Max Scherzer on the mound for the New York Mets? Scherzer's back. He's Looking good, according to all all reports. You got minus 120. This is minus 140 now on DK. Whoa! The run line. So people are betting the Mets to pull away here. They're on the road, so you know you're getting nine innings of offense. I yes. don't know who Nick Lodolo is. Nor do I. Nor do I care. <laughs> uh, this is sad. I watched the game yesterday. Uh the balls were getting hit so hard by the Mets that the Reds broadcasters were having to go back and talk about the hardest hit balls of the year. It's a launching pad of a ballpark in this Mets it, offense. I think it's going to feast. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm betting it, but put it this way. You got the minus minus one twenty. I'll, I'll, I'll bet it there. If okay. this keeps going on DK Sportsbook to like a minus one fifty run line. Now I'm booking <sighs> because that's just too much. No, this is as much. I, I hated this. I held my nose and bet this last night. I was like, man, this is expensive. I like the spot, but my well, gosh. Apparently a lot of other people have been holding their nose and betting it since, given the price. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just one of those numbers that minus 150 on the run line is. It's one. It's 140 on DK. Still, 140 is insane on the run line. trending the way it's going. That's when it goes from a bet it to a book it for me. Right. It gets to be too expensive. The, the Mets this year are 44 and 36 on the run line. Uh, that is sixth best in Major League Baseball. The Reds are 34 and 45 on the run line. That is second worst only to the Washington Nationals on the run line. So take the Mets to get a big win here. You know, blow them out to make it easy. Give me a 10 1 W and there's no sweat on this. All right. We end the show with, we end the show with something positive. Whatever you want to talk about is completely up to you. I'll let you go first in this, but what is your favorite thing about today for you? My favorite thing about today for me, um, I'm liking the NBA summer league that's going on, nice. honestly. Um, and I got involved a little bit. I put a play out on uh, there were no games on the fourth. So I put a play out on Sunday that, that got there and I got a couple of plays today on summer league. Now that we've seen some of it going on, this is the Cali classic. The end of yeah, the- how are you handicapping this? Because I, I I am having a very difficult time handicapping the summer league. 
Okay, so it's all about looking at what the roster is and then looking at who is going to play that day on the roster. Okay. You cannot like really overnight the NBA Summer League because you need to see who's playing. Like, There's no incentive. They could just be like, we want to get a look at these guys today, so this guy's not going to play. Like yeah. totally random. So you do it. You really have to pay attention to the news. But if you do, I think that you can do well. So I'm on the Lakers and the Warriors money lines today. Uh, it was minus 130 Lakers, minus 120 Warriors. And they've both gone up since those were put out. They've gone up since we've started this show. Um, What's the spread? You know, the Lakers opened plus one. They're now minus three. Um, the Warriors, I think, are minus two. Okay. The Heat uh, just ruled out, literally, as we're doing this, uh, Javante Smart from LSU. Oh, Warriors is now a pick. Lakers are oh. up to minus four. Oh. Uh, that's five <laughs> points of movement in Summer League, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, but the Warriors are a pick, and the Heat aren't going to play their starting point guard, um, LSU kid, Javante Smith. I don't know if you know him. So I'll, yep. I'll take the Warriors in, in the pick. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Utah gets going tonight. Vegas gets going on Thursday, and I've yeah, that's where I'll bet it. I, I haven't told you or anyone this yet um, because I'm not a hundred percent positive of it. But I believe I'm making a trip out to work with Vison to cover some summer league um, pretty soon. Ooh, so, yeah, be out, be out in your neck of the woods for a little bit. Well, definitely let us know because we'll definitely come out watching. I'll, I'll love to watch a game with you. We'll, we'll go and bet a game and watch a game and hang out. So yeah, that's that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. My favorite thing about today is I actually can't even see it. I'm just really happy for Dave because he is currently, as we mentioned earlier, at PNC Park. They're doing a walkthrough for a gambling show for an alternative broadcast for the Pirates and the Yankees. If it goes well today, which I hope it is for him, he will then do the show tomorrow. He's told me we can't see it. It's only going to be in the market of Pittsburgh, which is kind of a bummer because I really would love to be able to watch it. But it's an in-game it's like a, they broadcast the regular pirates broadcast and then you can watch the game on another channel. Yeah. It's like what Ness, you know? it's like Nesson two. Like you would take the games on Nesson and then Nesson two that right. have the same game on, but they're doing it from a betting standpoint, like what ESPN's done with some of their NFL games yep. where they've called, I forget what they call Manning the, cast. The, now, the yes. Manning cast is now correct. Cast. Sheriff cast for betting. So yeah. I, I'm really excited for him and, and I hope it works out well. And, and I hope it, it comes through. Um, I have no idea. They don't know really what, but it's a, it's a pilot essentially for a bunch of other regional broadcasts that may be able to do the same thing. So if Major League Baseball likes it, they could green light it for the second half of the year. So Dave might be getting to go back to Pittsburgh a lot to, to fly back and to be a part of these game of the week, as they're going to call it essentially, like one game when they go and do that broadcast. But it's great exposure for him. It's great exposure for the show. People get to know him. Pittsburgh's in, in Pennsylvania is one of our biggest states for listens and, and watches for BVB. So my favorite thing about today is I'm super happy for Dave and, and you know, a kid from Pittsburgh getting to do a broadcast on the Pirates, you know, is Pirates channel or Pirates flagship is a pretty cool deal. So uh, props to him. And I hope he really does a good job. Uh, Julian, do us a favor. Tell everybody where they can find you on social podcasts, your picks, plays, everything to get a hold of you online. You see that Twitter right down there. You follow me at Julian Edlow. We keep the name simple. Uh, the podcast is Unreasonable Odds presented by DraftKings. You can follow that at Unreasonable Odd. We ran out of room for the S. I was devastated about that. Oh, um, well, that's right. That's we're Boston versus the book on Twitter. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I can't yeah. fit Bostonians. <laughs> so we're just Boston. Do people think it's the whole city against Dave? <laughs> Yeah, all right. Sometimes it could be, I guess. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 
articles, DK Playbook, links right in my bio. Um, plays are either in articles or on Twitter. Everything I play gets put out there on Twitter. So follow along, keeping it slow on the baseball because eh. But summer league definitely have some summer league stuff coming for you. I'll be trailing you. I'll let you do the do the handicapping. So Warriors today, Heat yep. today, Lakers today. Are you said Lakers? Yeah, it's now at the four. Like mm, that's pushing it, but the Lakers should have a pretty good edge there. And then I, I don't know why Golden State came back to a pick because the Heat starting point guards out. Oh, Warriors, I would I would go with that starts like right now. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe in game, maybe in game better. My friend, thank you for doing this. This was a super fun. I really appreciate your time. The audience loved it as well. Really appreciate. It. Thank you for coming on. We'll do this again. All right. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I can't believe the audience liked me. Most people hate. Me. <laughs> yeah, we're Bostonians. We're always hated, right? We're assholes. <laughs> it's just what we are. He's Julie Edlow. I'm Ab Peralt. Dave back on Friday tomorrow. Doug Fron sits in for Dave. We'll be back tomorrow. Like, subscribe. Listen to Just the Picks as well. Hit the like button. Hit the thumbs up button as well. Really appreciate it. Back tomorrow for the Bostonian versus the book.